Ah, uh, it's gain, gain. Ah, I got to test my setup. Check, check. Is it? Is it? Why, why are you changing your setup? Ah, uh, is it distorting? Check one, no. two. Ah, ah, ah. You still sound loud. Ah, I sound like. Shit. Ah, ah. Okay, I need to see this recorded. I'll be right back. Oh, I know. Are you changing ah, this because you wanted to get the? You wanted ah, to get the double, double ah, mic setup, right? Yes. Is that why you're ah, you're so loud, and I'm not. What is happening? You don't need a double mic for me, though. Ah, this is terrible. Ah, I sound like. Ah, ah. Sound fine fuck. over here. Yeah, well, you're super loud, and I'm not. And I don't check one. Uh, mm-hmm. See, now it's now it's it's fritzing out. What happens if I change this? The output. Check one, two. Check, check, check. So it's, it does nothing. Ah, oh, God. Ah, uh, oh God. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, okay, I need to go to fuck. I sound- there a dial for the balance oh between the monitor. Oh my god, you're so loud. You're so yeah. loud. I-, I like this. Wait, no, this I can good. do this. Wait, wait, I know how to do this. Wait, check one, two. Check one, two. Check one, two. Keep talking. Check one, two. <sighs> are you talking? Are you talking? Should I just moan atonally like you are? I'm changing the balance of pre to PC. That's that right. Does it. Check I- one, two. Check my one, two. My volume. Yeah. Compared yeah. to Check your volume. Two. Is it distorting, John? Is it distorting? My mind to is your it- mind. Is it distorting? I think no, I think sounds, I did it. I think I did fine it. Over here. Turn up my cans. Okay, let me see if it recorded. I'll be right back. This is all good. We can use all of this. Mm-hmm. Hello. Take two. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Woo! How's it been going for uh, you? Uh, you know, every time I answer a call on Skype, I have to reposition the windows. Uh Every huh. time. So, do, I, do I sound okay? Sound just fine. Okay, I'm going to change the pre to PC mix a little bit. Um, you all were just spared or not, depending on whether Jim uses it, with <laughs> me screaming into the microphone. Because I think, I don't know what I do with my dip switches, John. I think I might have created a monster. Hmm. Do I sound thin? You sound normal. See, it's fine. I think we have dead ears. Too much you too. Huh. Okay. You have dead ears. That's what you have. I don't know. You do that. Ears. I don't do that. All right. I guess this will work. Hey, check, check. <laughs> I just keep watching the little red dot go. Bloop, bloop, bloop. I'm sure it will be fine. Oh, may your children never have to deal with dip switches. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking at a PDF. I'm moving dip switches. I'm doing test recordings. It's, it's, uh, it's not my tempo, John. Don't, don't like it. Mm-hmm. Oof. Anyways. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> how's it going? Sound this is good. a great way to kick off our uh, 100th episode extravaganza. The C note. That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't really celebrate things. But mm-hmm. congratulations, John. Uh, yeah, they said you'd never get past three episodes. Who said that? I think Dan said that about me, but I don't remember. Was that you? Mm. Have we talked about this? No. All right. Let's start the show. Um, happy uh, Happy anniversary. Do you have, Do you have anything you want to say? I don't know. What is What is episode 100? Is that paper? Is it is leather? It, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hundred is uh, let's see. You got silver. You got gold. Has anybody tungsten? ever been here? Tungsten. <laughs> yeah, is, is that is that episode one hundred tungsten? I don't know. I, I have to look up the uh, look. whatever. Like uh, the yeah. what's the etiquette book person? Oh, maybe Emily Post. Yeah, Emily Post guide to uh, podcast anniversary gifts. Okay, consult Title? that. That's good. I think I think I sound thin. I think I said I don't I don't I don't know about Are this. Are you commenting like, on your fad diet or Oh yeah, I've, I've been losing weight like a doorknob in a wet sweater. My my, my watch is going off. Yes, I see the dessert. Okay. Turning that off. Oh my gosh, John, this is this is a great way to kick this off. This is huge. 
Um, no, no. Yeah, I lost some weight. I got a lot going mm-hmm. on right now, John. I got I got a lot to tell you thin. about. I well, um, <laughs> you wouldn't know it from what I have for dinner, but um, yes, yes, I'm working on a lot of things. So what's going on? Tell me, tell me about. No, what's I going can't on. talk about it in public, but I'm working on a lot of things, and it's exciting. Got a lot of irons in the fire. Well, you, I already found out about what you're why you're changing your audio setup. We don't want to spoil that, right? Oh no, that's fine. Yeah, I have a friend who's going to visit the uh, my studio. <laughs> Studio. <laughs> it used to be. Remember when it was an office? I remember it was. An you office. gotta be careful with these zoning people. Now it's a studio. I got a lot to tell you. The um the uh yeah, I got a friend who's gonna come here. And last time mm-hmm. I tried to record with a friend, it didn't work. And so this time I'm tearing down all the load bearing walls. I'm starting all over with the USB pre two, and I think I, I sound a little thin, but I did figure out uh, what dip switches to throw in order to be able to make the recording. Didn't you? Uh, Record with uh, John Roderick in your office at one point, and it worked? Well, that's a horse of a different color. Basically, I just get the levels right with that, because I don't edit, you know? You don't have well, you, you were both uh, talking to the same microphone, kind of like uh, no. two, uh, two rock uh, singers singing yeah, like, to like the same a, microphone? Like, like a bluegrass singer. No. No, um, I, I don't know why that worked, but when Max came, it didn't work. Hmm. Um, so next time Max comes, hopefully it will work here at my studio. So there's the train going by my studio. Mm-hmm. I sound thin. I, I hope this isn't going to be distracting to you. <laughs> it's not you distracting to me. Just yeah. fine. Yeah. Mm. Well, we got a lot to cover. Um, you want to start with follow up? Yeah. Speaking of Max, we have some uh, Max related follow up. That's true. Oh, God. I don't know how to pronounce Nathan's last name. Do you? Uh, Nathan it looks Gowins? like it might be Welsh. I'm going to say Gowins. Sure. Uh, he wrote in to tell us that he has a theory about the origins of peanut butter. Last episode, we were discussing the origins of the term peanut butter, which is used on the Dubai Friday podcast by the host to indicate that they probably did not do the supposed challenge they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you said you couldn't even remember where the heck that came from. That no one could remember where it came from because you're on the show and you just start doing it and people don't remember where it comes from. It eventually just becomes a thing and, you know, the origins are lost to time. Yes. And and I recall hearing the origin of it, but I also couldn't remember exactly. But I had a theory. I'm like, I think it was something about uh, S&M safe words. Mm-hmm. And then it became the thing about uh, not doing the challenge. So a bunch of people wrote in with suggestions of what they thought were the origins. But Nathan had the one that was farthest back in the Dubai Friday history. So I think it is our winner until and unless someone comes up with an earlier thing. And it makes sense to me. Apparently it was on, what is this, the... Uh, episode 53 after show um and it was max pulling it out of uh his knowledge of all sorts of board games or whatever like apparently it's the the card game bullshit where if you if you fooled the other players into believing whatever lie that you told them you get to say peanut butter or something oh so at at the end of so this is the thing it's not in the main thing you have to give them uh money to to be able to hear the after show yeah right and then you can hear the after show on uh episode i think it's episode 53 uh and towards the very very end of that you can uh hear max make the uh peanut butter comment and according according to uh wiki how it says after you lie and get away with it you can say popcorn peanut butter uh dumb butt or make a cow like mooing sound if you like to show off that you got away with bsing your fellow players Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know if it's right. I don't remember. But, like, I do remember the peanut butter thing being, like, part of it was, like, you got caught. Like, you got you got caught. And I think what happened was I think he yells out at the end, peanut butter, because we didn't 
we never got to him in the main show. You, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't notice that he that he actually didn't end up doing that. So that's where it comes from. I like the S and M one. I mean, but see, it comes up many more times before it settles in, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first sort of occurrence of someone yelling peanut butter for a reason that makes sense in the context of what it would eventually come to mean. Right. But then there are many other people cited things after the fact where, you know, you know what you're like. You're like, you're just like a giant. I know giant, what I'm like. Yeah. A giant, like, remix machine where a <laughs> bunch of stuff goes in one end. Right. And then. And it takes a while to settle, like uh, words, words, that, words that sound like uh, things. Yeah, it bounces around in there for for a while. Yeah. And you're not aware of the bouncing. It's just stuff goes in to Merlin and then it bounces around. It's like that. It's like that child's Fisher Price toy that you push around like a vacuum cleaner. It goes. Yeah. Or the thing, you know, the thing that they pull the uh, the numbers out of like it's got the ping pong balls for the lottery. Right. Yes. There's a a lot of balls in there and they're bouncing around. And then and then and then (laughs) it's it's a seven. For a long time, it's just like talking to talking and the balls are going uh-huh. all around. Talk, 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 uh-huh. and it, that, that idle state of the balls bouncing around, it spends a long time in that state. And then yep, what yep, happens yep. at some point in the future, someone goes and all they do is they just open open a little tiny door just to crack, just uh-huh. big enough for one ball to come out. Pop, a ball comes out. Where the hell did that ball come from? How long has it been bouncing around in there? Does the does the machine know why that ball came out? No, no, it's in, it's in a quantum state. Yeah, we understand that the, that that ball went into the machine at some point. But yes. if you were to ask why did that ball come out, ask the machine why did that ball come out. The machine yeah. doesn't know. This is very much like the things that come out of your mouth after absorbing everything that you've heard and done in your life experience and on many different podcasts. Sometimes hmm. the ball just comes out, and hmm. peanut butter came out, and. Uh, everyone eventually latched onto it, and it became to mean what it means. But I don't think anyone. Yes saw it happening but the fact that max knows a lot about like you know board games and card games makes me think that he was very aware of of the context of his usage and that ball went into the merlin machine Mm. and you weren't aware of it at the time but it came popping out later and when it came popping out people understood what you meant when you said it i think you had to repeat it a few times as you're wont to do and then eventually it became what it is today so all right i'm gonna confront him with this truth i think this is very interesting yeah i'm excited by this uh this scholarship. This, I am, this I am deep too. It's it's also just really nice that people listen to at least two podcasts that, mm-hmm. that you're on. That's a that's that's a that's a it's an honor. It's nice. Thank you, thank you to um, uh, listener Nathan, whose name we are not gonna do. We tried twice already. It's all it's all we can do. I want to say Gooins. Yeah, who doesn't want to say Gooins? But that's Gooins. probably not it. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, thank you to listener Nathan. Um, also, because of the nature of the um, the pre-tape Colin show, um, the episode that was recorded <laughs> two weeks ago tonight, we talked about your attempting something with Destiny that you wanted to do, and in the time since that, it sounds like you've worked on that. Do you have something to share with the uh, with the class on your uh, your Destiny thing? Yeah, when last we talked about it, I was saying that, like, there's this thing I have to do, and there's a deadline coming up that, like, I I only have a little bit of time left to try to do it. Uh, and then when that deadline passes, everything just resets, and I would have to start over from the beginning. Um, so it was, it was a ticking clock, as they say in the movie biz. Uh, my update is that it turns out that I did do the thing that I wanted to do with one day to spare. So it was oh a very God. dramatic finish. And, and now having put it behind me, I talked about it on a show how... Much it meant to me and other gaming feats and stuff like that, but now having put it behind me, I realize it doesn't mean as much as the, the other achievements I've mentioned, like the Super Monkey Ball one, because like I couldn't have, I mean, maybe this makes it, people think it should mean more to you instead of less, but I couldn't have done it without the help of other people who are better than me. 
Okay. So in, you are free soloing. Ways, you're not doing Boulder problem by yourself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We'll get to that later. But, but um, on the one hand, it's like, well, that's great. It's like a team effort. And you've had to, the, you know, there's a social aspect of working together as a team, right? And being helped by other people who are better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, when you do something entirely on your own, there's a certain satisfaction of like knowing that every part of it you did, you did. Like, I don't think I could have done this without a heavy dose of luck without help from people or occasional help from people who are considerably better than me. Like I was, I was creeping up on it. Like I was asymptotically approaching this achievement because I had to get to a, a 2100 score and I had spent weeks around 1700 and then weeks around 1800. And I was in the 1900s. And as you and, said, this is uh, jeopardy rules, right? Like if you get it wrong, you, you lose points, right? Yeah. You subtract, right? Yeah. So I'm making steady progress approaching, but, uh, uh all in, and because you're, Win streaks add up, so the first win is worth less than the second win, the third win, the fourth win, right? So I could see I was in shooting distance. All I needed was a streak, and it turns out that's what it did. It I had I was like in the in the mid nineteen hundreds, and I had one winning streak of four straight games that I won, and that was it. That put me over the top. If I had never gotten that four winning streak, or if I had won one game, then one loss, then three wins, I wouldn't have done it. Right? It's mm-hmm. just if given a couple more weeks, I could have done it. But anyway. So I'm I'm thankful for everybody who helped with that. I made a video about it, showing some highlights of oh, my put, uh, put it put it into notes. So I mean, you you're accounting for stuff like, as you say, luck, uh, the pressure of time. But you don't. I mean, you wouldn't use the phrase that they carried you. It wasn't like you were the total noob in this. Well, that's that's a thing. That's the thing about this. Like I described last time, it's not a thing that someone can carry you to really, because if they're really good. Mm-hmm. they will have a good score and that will match you against people who are really good. And then you will be massively the weakest link on the team. So there's no way any one player is good enough to carry a team with even just one dead weight player. So yeah. you have to find people who are around the same skill set as you. They should be slightly better, but not massively better. And you can't be that much worse because if you don't carry your weight in a team of four, it's like saying, oh, Michael Jordan could, uh, you know, well, maybe basketball is a bad example. No, it's could, not. Could carry, no, it's not. Look at LeBron could carry James. a team of yeah. like Michael Jordan and and five sixth graders versus uh you know the LA Lakers. <laughs> well, the LA Lakers would cream them. No matter how good right. Jordan is, they, they've got <laughs> a bunch the of sixth graders. Lakers. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I do know. I do know. I know. I, I take your point. Team, yeah. And is the is the robot good at matching people up? It sounds like maybe it's it's not too good, but like you feel like. You don't feel like that's a deficit of the game. Well, they they changed matchmaking a lot recently because the this this game mode. Uh, had for a long time prioritized your network connection because it's really frustrating in a competitive thing where people are like super serious about winning and losing to match against someone who has really bad lag because they're on the other side of the world. It feels like unfair due to the way the client side prediction, everything works that like the other players teleporting all over the place and you're shooting them and you think you should be killing them, but really they're not there anymore. So it used to just prioritize lag and as a heavy factor. And they changed the matchmaking more recently to, more heavily prioritize matching people of similar skills. Like I always used to do that a little bit, but then now it's very heavily like we don't want you to accidentally match against people who are massively better than you or massively worse, right? Mm-hmm. And then it also tried not to match you against full teams. Like if you are a solo queue, they want to match you against a team of four people who are all talking to each other and communicating because they'll just destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the matchmaking has been tailored to I mean, it makes, it makes more sense and it's good, but it makes it more difficult because the luck of the draw is I'm not going to match against someone who's massively worse than me. So every game is a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you did it. Um, oh, you've put the link in here. Mm-hmm. You, you can add it with the thing if you want. You have people mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the suggestion from uh, a couple listeners that we start having a regular uh, Destiny segment on here? 
Well, it doesn't make sense because you don't play. <laughs> Thank you. And this is not a gaming podcast. Thank you. So, Moving on. I, guess it, uh, <laughs> I can't be the one that says it. I sound like, no, a, I, I sound like a bad sport if I say it. It wouldn't really be, my, wouldn't really be half my show anymore, would it? <laughs> on a Destiny podcast. Uh, uh-huh. With who? I, anyway. So I could be like, what's your name? Robin Givens. I could just show up and laugh. Uh, yeah, just laugh at all my jokes. Yeah, I could do that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of lag, oh, I don't know. This I of nothing, but um, uh, of course we bought uh, Spider-Verse uh, on iTunes and mm-hmm. we'll be getting it when it comes out on Blu-ray. But I was, uh, I was pleased. Did you get it and stream it yet? Uh, I have not. Okay, well, I was very pleasantly surprised. We watched it a couple of times since we bought it and I was very pleasantly surprised. I don't know if you listened to anything else I do or I might've said it here, but I, I was really concerned about you know, how that would come across on anything. The frame rate issues, right? Well, yeah. I mean, like we watched, we watched a, a good 1080p rip of Ponyo the other night. And like we were, you know, Ponyo is the one I always think of because, you know, but, you know, between Miyazaki's nature blowing around and of course just the water stuff, when all the little sister fish start swimming around, your screen just turns into a blur. And I was like, please, please, honey, can I please put in the Blu-ray? Like this is just excruciating to me. And she, of course she doesn't care. That's what I was worried about, because if you think about the stuff that happens in the third act of Spider-Verse, there's a lot of extremely colorful, mini things moving at one time stuff. And I just wanted to say, uh, I was very pleased with how it turned out. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it on Blu-ray. Um, but I thought it turned out well. And what's funny is, uh, I guess late last week, I had a yen to watch Godfather 2. It probably came up somewhere, and I compuls- compulsively had to go watch it. But um, I was watching the the one I bought from the iTunes store, which is... In fairness, HD, and it is in fairness the Coppola restoration, so it's got the deliberate noise. Didn't look good. Didn't look good. I had to. I wonder. I brought my back my uh, Blu-ray from the office uh, for future viewings, but like, it is so strange the quality of what you see on the screen, especially with Apple purchased movies. It's amazing how much it varies. What they call HD and what it looks like. I'm not just talking about the noise that everybody all the. Some people are very, you know, some people are really mad about the noise in the restoration. They, they think the, it's too much. They think, yeah, it's too no, It's just too noisy, the film stock. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have that problem with it, but it was a little artifacty uh, at HD. And I know that's not 4K, obviously. But like, did you get that experience? Isn't it kind of strange sometimes, especially on older movies? Maybe the quality of, like, I want to say the master wasn't that good. But it's strange sometimes what they call HD uh, on Apple comes across as like sometimes pretty muddled. Yeah, that's the thing about uh, digital stuff. Like, so with with plastic discs, they're always coming out with new versions of plastic discs. They have a new cover. They tell you something about whatever restoration it is or a remaster or someone else. Like, even even for the Miyazaki movies, like, uh, Disney owned it and then G-Kids owns it. So, like, when there's a new version, you're like, oh, I got the G-Kids version. How can you tell? Look at the box. It has G-Kids on the side. It's new. It's different. It's not hmm. the same as the Disney version. And so, you know you're getting a different version of this movie, but... For digital stuff, you have no idea how many versions of that movie there have been, when the version you're watching <laughs> How much has been stepped was, on. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah, exactly. Where did that one come from? Was right. it ripped from a DVD way back when? Was it pulled from a 4K master more recently? It's not as if iTunes tells you that type of thing. Because it's not a physical good, there is no like package around it, and it is a changeable thing. So it's very difficult to know. If I download, um, to use my example of the Terminator, if I buy the Terminator from iTunes, Terminator is a really old movie, but for all I know, it has been remastered in 4K 
and this iTunes digital copy was pulled from that remaster, or it was pulled from the original rip of a scan of a 35 millimeter film thing, you know, 15 years ago, who knows? All you know is it just says Terminator, and it doesn't tell you over the course of us selling Terminator, we sold seven different versions. You know, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. I mean, yep. the good thing yep. is that they can auto-upgrade all your stuff to 4K of the of the goodness of their heart, which is awesome and doesn't happen with plastic discs. But the bad thing is you just don't know what you're going to get. And to answer your question before, I don't actually experience it that much because pretty much every movie that I would care about the picture quality of, I, I buy on on blu-ray right so yeah 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 i like I'm, I'm always going for the highest quality and the ones i don't care they probably don't do look kind of cruddy but i don't care that's why i just got them in itunes it's it's frustrating though i really um i really want my kid to watch um uh we we're thinking about getting unbreakable and maybe six cents and we wanted to i was like oh we should at least watch the you can see the trailer for unbreakable and um it's I'm gonna run it for her if she doesn't already know well yeah all i said was it's a guy who doesn't understand why he survived a train wreck mm-hmm. and it goes it's like your dad this guy's a lot like your dad you think so thanks buddy he's short hmm. wow he wears he wears ill-fitting clothes i have tons of hair what are you talking about that's, I, that's and my hair is thin but very dense but, mm-hmm. do you stand um, in crowds with your hands out sometimes you know what um i uh i just think it's frustrating because i i have purchased many many movies and sometimes you just it's shocking how good it looks and then other times it's just real like i don't know i'm, I'm looking here at a uh, an order I made from the Amazon company, December 12th, 2015. The collected works of Hayao Miyazaki. I thought it was cheaper than this, but it was 165 bucks. but it was like, I think all or almost all of the Miyazaki uh, Ghibli movies uh, on Blu-ray. Ghibli, um, but, and was it, yeah, it, was, Ghibli. it, was it an official release or was it like a bootleg thing? No, it's a box set from, I think. From who though? Well, it says Amazon exclusive. Of- I have a Studio Ghibli box set too that I bought way back when, before Blu-rays even. But it was not an official Studio Ghibli. Uh-huh. Like it's a, like there's a lot of box sets you can buy also on Amazon that are not officially sanctioned things. I think it's official. It came with like a. It looks nice. I, I think it's yeah, a, mine it, looks nice too. It's got like, a slipcase and pretty good mm-hmm. art. I, I think it. Yeah. Well, if that's a bootleg. It's a really good bootleg. Bootleg so, Blu-ray. But who, who who published it? Who is the? Is it Disney? Uh, well, this is from 2015. I'm looking at the order. Right, but I think in 2015, the only company with rights to distribute any uh, Studio Ghibli movies on plastic discs was Disney. So if it's not from Disney, it's a bootleg. It does not say on the page. All it says is Amazon exclusive edition. Mm. Well, mm. Maybe it might be legit then, because Amazon has those whole sorts of yeah. things. But anyway, it's hard to tell. Like I, I got the box set just because it was. At the time, the only way I could get all those movies, because Disney hadn't released some of them yet, and they yeah. were the official distributor and stuff, but uh, that, that's DVD, not even Blu-ray, the ones I have. I mean, I remember somebody first explaining, like, I used to find it so perplexing, like all the 480, you know, 720, 1080, and P versus I, and at mm-hmm. least the way it was explained to me was that, I mean, obviously I is inter- interlaced, but the thing about P is, a true P is that every image is its own pixel-perfect you know, not photo, but you know, that it's basically, it's a, it's photographically as close as it could be to how it was shot. And it's just each single, um, uh, frame is, is pretty flawless. So when you're watching something like the Incredibles or Monsters Inc or Ponyo comes to mind, I mean, boy, what a difference it makes. It's just, it's, it's just stunning. I'd love to get your, uh, your rip settings. I don't, but that's the thing is I don't, I tend not to rip things like my, my, oh, you really Kiki, just literally watch the Blu-ray. My Kiki rip is the bits pulled exactly off the DVD. It's like 60 gigs. That's my version of ripping. Like it's, it's not recompressed. 
So if you You're wanted to watch me, if you wanted to watch Kiki off my Plex, that's how you do. Remember, I remember I went through this before. Like what I wanted to do was get everything off my Blu-ray discs without changing the bits in any way whatsoever. Yes. And have them someplace I could play them, but I couldn't get my Apple TV to play back 24 frames per second cadence. I, I still haven't quite. Uh, in theory, my, my Apple TV can do it now because it has the frame rate matching and everything like that. Right, but I still right. haven't gone back to deal with it. And, and the other problem is storage size. If I were to do that to all my movies, I would be out of space. So yes. I have a few essential movies like that. But yeah, a lot of the time when I want to watch it, the path of least resistance is actually too low to Blu-ray, which is excruciating. It's but fun it is to less use a PlayStation controller to watch a movie. I have the remote. I have the actual remote. Oh, good for you. I uh, It's funny because I know from Daisy Disc and my occasional pairing down that the single largest um, MKV that I have in my collection is Kiki's delivery service. And this, that's the single largest movie I've gotten. It mine's 14 gigs, which is improbably large for me. Yeah. But that, but that's still recompressed. From oh, the absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, these movies, like once you get over the, you're right about like the fast motion and the little fishies and stuff, but uh, for the most part, it's large regions of solid color. And, uh, you know, it's, it's rare that you have something that challenges the compression algorithms in the same way that noise from The Godfather 2 or a tiny fish swarming very quickly from Ponyo will do. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. With a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more, Squarespace has got it all. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog. You know, maybe just go make yourself an online site with your name on it where you put your stuff. This is still a thing that you can do. You go and you do this with the Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform. It lets you do whatever you need to do. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades are needed you done not gotta worry about none of that stuff because Squarespace has got you covered. Literally. They have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you ever need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I have been a user and fan and evangelist of Squarespace for about as long as I can remember, pretty much since the dawn of my podcasting days. I have several Squarespace sites. I use it for my personal sites. I use it for the Roderick on the Line podcast. I have had occasion uh, recently to uh, to update some Squarespace sites, and I still can't believe how easy it is. I've been able to go in and add things like uh, Google Maps and Amazon affiliate links, whatever I need to do. Going in and making a tweak on a page does not require a PhD in computer science. You just go in and you click and you do it. It's the best. It's squarespace.com slash diffs. Now, here's the crazy part. Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month. You guys, that's hardly any money. But you can start a trial with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. When you decide to sign up, do use the very special offer code diffs. And that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. And it will show your support for reconcilable differences. That is very important to us. Once again, you go to squarespace.com slash diffs, offer code diffs for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Godfather Two is a very good movie. Um, sure it is. It's really, really good. I, I don't. I want to say I forget how good it is, but I just, I. There's just, there's an impossibly like every scene is is just extremely good, and, and like, it just keeps going. Like there's I one know. after the other. I know, and then like, they, and then two the, movies in one, and then I can anticipate that moment when they're about to cut forward or back, 
And I get so mm-hmm. excited because they do the long dissolve and it's like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then you got, you got Hyman Roth. Lee, that was Lee Strasberg's, I think his first movie. Mm-hmm. It's mind blowing. He's so great in that. You could do that thing where he like hitches and catches his <laughs> breath. That <laughs> thing. <laughs> I said nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the money's on the table. Um, we have, uh, I have, I have added a piece of follow up. Um, if you don't mind. Uh, last week, John, uh, you, my co-host, you uh, told an amazing tale about dealing with trying to delete some Apple IDs to move some payment information around to do some various things with Apple IDs. I really, I, I mentioned this on Back to Work today. If you haven't listened, I highly commend people to go back and listen to that because I think that was one of your great Rectif's uh, moments. But suffice to say, it was by turns funny and horrifying, mostly horrifying, what you were going through with trying to make sure you were properly deleting the correct Apple IDs and it ended up with you going through a bit of an adventure with Apple's technical support. And I wanted to know, has there been any news change resolution to your Apple ID adventure? Yeah, to refresh people's memory, this started with me having to fulfill a requirement for two-factor auth on the Apple IDs used for WWDC. And after I had satisfied that, I as part of satisfying that, I discovered I had all these old Apple IDs that I'd forgotten about. I figured, let me clean up all my old Apple IDs. Um, and that's that's how this second half of the adventure began. And specifically, what I was trying to do in this case was I had an Apple ID that I didn't need anymore, so I wanted to delete it. And then I had a series of things that I had to do before I could delete it. And then uh, after I deleted it, it would let me delete the payment method from another Apple ID that I don't want to delete, but I just don't want to have to have a payment method. So my end goal is, in this specific little corner of cleaning, is delete this Apple ID, and once it's deleted, go to the other Apple ID that used to be the organizer for the family that that one is part of, mm-hmm. dissolve the family, because you can't, if you have a family, you can't not have a payment method, right? So dissolve the family, and then once that Apple ID has no family, remove the payment method. And then I would be done. Like that is that's my end goal. It's like it's like Mission Impossible. Yeah. Like you got you got to hope that Benji got the lineup by the time you get to the peak, and like it's it's mm-hmm. mental. And as I said on uh, on ATP a while back, my general assumption when dealing with Apple ID stuff is that although features exist to do many of the things I just mentioned, they won't work. So each time you clear another hurdle, there will be another one. So I was stuck on the delete Apple ID part, and that's what the whole adventure that I talked about last week was. That was successful. Like I remember last week, I left it like the I. They said it went through and it was going to delete the one that it was going to delete. Well, and they said, wait, like seven days. Well, seven days or whatever has passed. The Apple ID that I wanted to be deleted was, in fact, deleted. They sent me an email that said, guess what? Your Apple ID has been deleted. If you try to log in with that Apple ID, just by entering the email address for that Apple ID, it doesn't even get to the password phase. It just says there, this, th- there is no Apple ID with this because, as we said, th- like it like burns that ID. Yes, no one can yes. ever make no one can ever make an Apple ID with that email again. So success. Congratulations. That must be a relief. Right. But then we go to the next phase. Remember, after that Apple ID is gone, the whole point of me deleting that, aside from me not wanting that Apple ID, is to <laughs> delete the one and only member, non-organizer member of the Apple family thing owned by the other Apple ID. So go to the other Apple ID and you look at the family thing and it says, you, you the organizer, are the only member of this family. I'm like, awesome. Great. So let me like select my own name and hit the little minus button to say, and or hit the stop family sharing to basically say, let us dissolve this family. I'm mm-hmm. the only member of it. I'm not affecting anyone else. I break Stop. with thee. I break with thee. I break with thee. Yeah. Stop the family thing. And it gives a bunch of warnings about the consequences of any family. Yada, yada. I'm like, yep, totally want to do it. Click the button. And it says, sorry, we are unable to stop family sharing. Please contact Apple, blah, blah, blah. So as I said, 
at every stage, there is something that doesn't work. So once again, I was on the phone with Apple. I said, hey, I want to, you know, we've talked before. It's the same, This is the same case number, by the way. I feel so bad because this is the same case. But they, they do have a paper trail. Oh, they have well, some like kind an of electronic trail. paper trail. Yeah, and, and to Apple's credit, they're very good at like getting back to you. You know how like you call customer support and they're like, well, oh, uh, just oh, yes. try this and we'll call you back <laughs> tomorrow. And they never call you back. You can Apple, call Hulu and they can tell you to cycle your router while you're yeah. talking to them. Apple 100% will call you back. They will keep calling you back. Wow, that's that's awesome. Awesome, but also like they'll kind of call you back at their convenience or try to arrange times. And it's like, look, I'll, I'll get back to it. Anyway, so now the ball's in their court. So I talked to them on the phone and I'm like, I'm on this step of the process, which is the second to last step, right? Because once I do this step, then I have to get rid of the payment method, which also won't work, by the way, because once I delete this family, I fully expect that I will not have an option of none in my payment method. I will still only have PayPal and credit card, despite the fact that of them telling me that if you don't have a family, you should be able to get rid of your payment method. But right now I'm on this step and they said, okay, well, blah, blah, blah. We'll escalate that and get back to you. So now the ball is in their court and I'm waiting for the next call back from my friends at Apple to say that they have somehow resolved or whatever is stopping me from dissolving this family. And what's your, I mean, it seems like we're a little bit back to your destiny conundrum. Uh, um, when do you think WWDC, I, I usually don't traffic in this kind of speculation, but mm-hmm. when do you think uh, it will be announced at which point you need to have this straightened out. Uh, that's, like I said, I don't need this straightened out. I've got the WWC stuff straightened out. And by the way, I fully expect by the time this episode is released that we will know what the WWC dates are. As okay. of the recording, we do not, uh, but it but seems so you're, like... You're, you're, you're safe. Time. You're not going to get KC'd on your credit card. Well, remember that I got the, the Apple ID for my WWC stuff sorted out, uh, but I had to put in a new payment method, and I haven't actually tested that payment method by buying something. I think it'll be fine. I bought many other things with that credit card, but haven't actually done the, let me actually buy something from Apple with it. But it, but, but it's so, it's so freaking frustrating how, I mean, I feel like in some ways the the apex of this sort of frustration in in our previous discussions in some ways was that thing we ran into, I don't know, a year or so ago where it just kept popping up. Remember getting all the pop-ups to re-authenticate with iCloud for no reason, apropos Mm -hmm. of nothing and how frustrating and like, you know, it's an anti-pattern. You, you get that thing wrong a few times. Who knows what happens? That kind mm-hmm. of thing's super frustrating. The other day, I noticed in my Google News page that one of those stupid, like, hey, here's deals for today. And the deal was, hey, Apple has a thing where if you go and add X dollars to your notional iTunes bank, they'll give you 10% extra just for doing that. And I was like, hey, why not? I'll go in and put 100 bucks in there for 110 bucks. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, this is not exceptional, but I buy stuff with Apple Pay a lot, but probably I would have to say at least, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but at least once a day I buy something with Apple Pay. I, I love Apple Pay, not least because if I buy, if it is a site that uses Apple Pay, I don't have to enter my address in. Like it does mm-hmm. all of that. It's, it's, I mean, when I go to Walgreens and pick up a prescription, you know, it scans my Walgreens card and they're like, what did you can't do that with your watch? I'm like, I just did it. It's done. And now let me pay for it with this. I love that. I did this the other day. I put a hundred bucks in so I can get 110 bucks and it, and I get a, I get a nasty gram pop up that I have to go in and put in my CVV. I got to go put mm-hmm. in my credit card code. And it's like, well, why? Because cash is involved. Like, I mean, they uh, obviously like they, they didn't make you sign for it. You've had still have that happen, right? You pay with Apple pay. And then it's like, Oh, also a second. They finally, there's two things they stopped doing at Walgreens. I believe purportedly, postposably, 
they stopped the $50 limit and they stopped the need to sign. The need to sign, of course, I'm yelling at a cashier, making $11 an hour and saying there's no mm-hmm. need for me to sign for this. And I'm like, oh, geez, well, <laughs> sorry, my bad. No, it's a, it's a policy. It's a, I'm sure it's a liability policy that they have. But I think Walgreens in particular has lifted the $50 uh, you know, it used to be if you go some places you go and you spend X dollars and it throws up the need for a pin or a signature. Mm-hmm. Super frustrating. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that kind of that again, that's the kind of thing where I was surprised when that happened. And because of my um what does one say? My 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 not particularly affluent upbringing, I still freak whenever a credit card doesn't go through, just mm-hmm. because that's my nature, and because of my amygdala. Um, <laughs> I don't have Alex's amygdala and I'm like, ah, 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 what, why, what did I do? What did I do? Why are you mad at me? And the, so I go in and enter the code and like when stuff like that happens though, you're like, I don't, you just, I just find myself wondering how the robot decides. And, and to be honest with you, and again, this is probably my affliction. It just adds more uh, apparent evidence or fuel to this concern one has about not putting your hand in the, into the dragon's mouth. Like you don't want to mess with your Apple ID. You don't want to mess with your PayPal settings. It's so mm-hmm. difficult to know what seemingly trivial change to something will raise some kind of a flag that you didn't know was going to be a problem and that has consequences you may not be able to understand. And guess what? Now you're calling support to try and solve this thing and you feel like John Dillinger. It's, I don't know. When, when I get unexpected things like that, especially when it's Apple stuff, it's particularly concerning to me. Yeah, this machine here says we have to cut up your watch. <laughs> Remember those days? It's hard it's really hard to convey that to kids these days. Oh, there was yes. a time when that scene they'd put in movies was based on a real thing. It's it probably just, didn't happen that often, but was absolutely a real thing. It would say something like retain card would come mm-hmm. up. I worked at, when I was a waiter, this this will really age me or really date me. Uh, that was back when we still got the little flyer. Like every month they would send out, here's all the American Express cards not to take. And you'd Mm -hmm. have to look it up in the booklet by the cash register to see if they were in the do not accept Mm -hmm. before they had to the scanning. This is back when we had the chunk chunk machine. Yeah. Those were great. Yeah, it was. And then, and then people are, oh, we've got to ask for the carbon copies because, because a lot of times these cocaine. Keep the carbon, they'll just throw them in the garbage. That's how they get you. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Um, No, it's all, Go ahead. I was going to say it's only only fraught in this case because Apple's so picky about charging. Because like I, I always tell my wife and anyone else who uh, you know will listen to me about worried about their credit card number getting stolen. It's like of all the things that can get stolen or compromised in my life, credit card number is the one that I'm least concerned about because yes. credit card companies are built around the idea that that's going to happen. You're not going to be responsible for the lost charges, and you get a new card. The only way they have succeeded with credit cards is by being really cool about dealing with that right and many other things i don't want people to get my social security number or my email password like those are irreparable but credit cards whatever but now the second thing that's making me reconsider is that it's not the fact that the credit card that got stolen is a problem it's all the other systems that have my credit card that are going to flip out because the credit card number they have is bad whether that be apple id or all your online accounts so I, I don't care that someone took my credit card i care that every place that credit card was associated with, now I have to go deal with and heal. And then the other thing is like about the, you know, thing being rejected. The credit card companies themselves never let you know what weird heuristics they're using. And Mm -hmm. in my particular case with WAC, anytime I buy anything expensive from Apple, my credit card companies are very likely to flip out because I guess if someone steals a card, what they might do is buy expensive Apple stuff immediately. 
it's not like I don't have a huge, tremendous history of buying expensive Apple stuff on, you know, the same, not the same card number, but on the same card, like, account. I don't think, I don't think that matters as much as our brain wants to think it does. I, I know, but I really think it should. Cause like, I agree. like every, it looks like every year around June, you spend $1,600 on WWDC. Oh, you did it this year. Well, we rejected it cause we thought it might be fraud. Like, but I do it every year. Well, there's, there's, okay. So there's some of those things that I understand just as somebody who has had their credit card compromised fewer than half a dozen times ever, but it's, um, <laughs> for me, um, the, the weird one was like, somebody used my credit card to sign on to a bunch of Christian dating sites, which is pretty weird. But, um, but you know, a common one is gas. Uh, like a lot of times, I think one reason the gas buying gas throws that flag is because that's the thing a lot of people will do, I guess. I guess that happens often enough that or, you could, Or you get it when you're traveling because like all of a sudden you have a charge in yes. Indiana and you don't live in Indiana and have never been in Indiana. That one I kind of understand. I That's I, why I, I Yeah, I, I do too. But I mean, like to your example though, I mean, it feels like in the same way that like your phone kind of learns the words you want to type and the order that you type them in, uh, it seems like you would develop some kind of a, like a heuristic of like, well, if, if this person has shopped at this particular, let's say bookstore or whatever- you know, um, seven times in the last two years, then it seems like it should be able to say like, well, that's probably pretty reasonable or even just geo. Like if you're within this, this far of your house, you know, don't throw that up. But then on the other hand, I could see them saying, well, our heuristic is that, you know, people tend to use credit cards on the following 10 kinds of things within a few minutes of stealing a credit card. I think it's probably even simpler than that. Like in the case of most credit card companies, like they're probably less sophisticated than we think uh, it, because a few simple rules will suffice. Well, the first is location wise. If you buy it online, they probably have no idea about your location. Facebook knows about your location. Google knows about your location, but the credit card processor probably doesn't know where you Correct. are when you're making that purchase. Right. And the second thing is we're like, oh, but I buy a big thing from Apple every year. I bet their algorithm is. Most purchases made with this card are around 10, 15, 20 bucks. All of a sudden, there's a 1001 that stands out. Flag it. Yep. They don't know where the 1601 comes from. They don't know that every time around June, there's a $1,600 charge. They don't know the exact amount. They just know small, medium, small, medium, small, medium, small, medium, all year long, and then giant. It's like, up oh, fraud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. That's their entire algorithm. They don't take into account anything else. I wonder, I wonder if part of it could also be in the same way that Google got good at spam by being able to have this corpus of millions of pieces of uh, known spam or suspected spam and say like, okay, these like 17,000 people all got this same email that's virtually identical within this period of time. I mean, I almost wonder if the WWDC effect actually works against it. We're, we just suddenly saw many, many purchases across the globe for $1,600. Yeah, that's more sophisticated than I think their systems are. Yes, that would make some kind of sense, but I think their systems are more primitive, at least the ones I... And, and speaking of credit cards, so we got all new credit cards from my wife's stuff because her I see, I see two stolen. topics that we've had for her, I think for two years. Bank security and credit cards are two things yeah. we keep meaning to talk about. Yeah, so anyway, we got to experience that because she got all of her credit cards stolen. Luckily, I have some credit cards that are quote unquote just mine and we have some joint cards where I have a separate number, but she got everything stolen. And so there was like... More than 50% of my cards were compromised, too, because we had shared cards. And it's just a headache to go through all that. Uh, And shortly after that, she with all our new cards, all our shiny new cards, all our shiny new numbers, she was trying to buy, like, what's it, like, uh, Broadway tickets or something online? Mm Mm-hmm. And it rejected her card. And so she tried another card and it rejected that one. I forget the details. She's up. When she listens to the subject, she'll yell at me. But she had to call the credit card company and say, I'm trying to buy tickets 
And I can't tell from the website if you credit card company are like denying it, saying, don't let this person buy this thing or whatever. And I think the credit card company said it wasn't them. It was something else. But that just, you know, it was what you're getting at. Like, you never know what thing well, so in the system. Like, what's your phrase? In- internet weather. It, c- it could be, I, I, I've had some, I've had the most random, like, this is the thing with Apple, Apple Pay, is Apple Pay, it's almost like, I don't say it's like Siri, but it is like Siri in the sense that it works, it works flawlessly, Apple Pay's better, <laughs> but it works flawlessly often enough that when it doesn't work flawlessly, it's really, it's, it kind of throws you off. Like in this case, so like so often, like I, I'll order like delivery food like I did tonight because I had to watch a movie at my office. And honestly, with Face ID and Apple, um, Apple Pay, I it sometimes has gone through or at least it has passed whatever bar was necessary with Apple Pay. But you get to pop up in the check mark before I can even notice it, before I think to look at the camera, it has already gotten it. And then other times it just churns and churns and churns and churns. And now you're back in the series situation where you're like, well, is it mad at me? Like, is it, is it, <laughs> is there something wrong with my account? Is it like what algorithm is causing that? Th- when it could just be, maybe you're in the wrong part of the house and your router's not working right. Or like, who knows what, but it just, I get a, I get a terrible, like adrenaline rush when that happens. That makes me very unhappy. It's a perfect time to make small talk with the, uh, the vendor you're trying to pay, right? Oh, you feel like such a loser. Oh, it's, it's, it's super frustrating. I, I do, I do have, I, you know, I've made this joke for so long. I'm pretty sure this did actually happen though. In, in, in a different time, probably before 2005, I did get the fraud call asking me if I had purchased some books in Seattle. So now those times have changed. Those times have changed, but it used to be if you bought something from Amazon, it would be confused because you bought it while you were in not, not say, not Seattle. I can't tell you how many calls I've had from credit card companies over the years, not specifically related to, oh, we can't figure out that online ordering exists, but like they'll call and they'll be like, here are some charges. Can you confirm or deny them? And it's the same way I feel like whenever I watch a a television show that has like a courtroom thing and they'll ask, I mean, obviously people are prepped by their lawyers, but like, or like a a police procedure where they'll ask somebody, where were you on the night of the whatever? Like, I would never be able to pass those interviews. Like, even if I'm 100% innocent, if you just said, what were you doing last Thursday night? I'd be like, my God, I don't know. It's like, when you don't know, you can't remember. It was just a week ago. I'm like, I don't know. Like, so they would say, did you make a $25 purchase at, and it's never like Walgreens. It's always like the name of the company that owns Walgreens. And you're like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> like right, they're asking right. you. They want you to say yes. I made yes. that purchase. In- international no, pharmaceutical holding concern. <laughs> right. It's like maybe I did. Right. Because they're just reading off know. that all caps thing that shows up in Mint or whatever. And it's truncated and has asterisks. And my wife does the same thing. She's like, "What is this charge for X amount for whatever?" And I'm like, "Did you do that?" She's she's con- she does all the finance stuff, and she's constantly like, "What is this charge?" But like at, at any second, <laughs> all of our cards could be stolen. I don't. It's like I don't know. Like don't know. it's probably legitimate, but. If, and so but I, it's more pressure when the phone people do. Oh, I see what you're saying. She's become more vigilant since she went through all this. No, she's just always like this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, when the credit card people call you, like they want a yes or no answer. And I feel like I, I give them five I'm not sure. And it's like, well, where are we now? Because I yes. like I don't want to commit to saying yes. I don't want to commit to saying no. Yes, yeah, because they could be they could be trying to trick you up. Like any good district. Of, I mean, to me, if I were a prosecutor, I would be extremely suspicious of somebody who could tell you exactly where they were at a given time on a given night. Just as somebody who relies on their calendar, I would think somebody who can give that answer too quickly is is making it up. 
Yeah, and these and these are for the most part are not things where people are calling me and trying to scam me. It's like they'll it's be a message. Uh, I'll get a voicemail and I'll be like, "Please call the number on the back of your card." And so yes. you call them yes, yes, on yes. the number on the back of your card, like it's the way it's supposed to work. And then they ask you, just want you to confirm some purchases to make sure your thing hasn't been stolen. And I can't I can't help them. I'm like, I don't know, probably. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. Learn more about Eero right now by visiting eero.com slash diffs. With Eero, you can build a Wi-Fi system that is perfectly tailored to your home. Considering the high bandwidth world we live in now, you need a distributed system in your home to make sure you get the best speeds available. And with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This is literally true. It all starts with their second-generation Eero device. It has three 5 gigahertz radios, which allows for increased speed and range. It sits flat on any surface and connects either over Ethernet or wirelessly. You can easily expand the coverage throughout your home by adding uh, some Eero beacons. These are small devices that plug directly into your wall, allowing you to reach every corner of your home. I have four of these, and they are amazing. And right now, Eero is now introducing Eero Plus. This is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help defend all the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content, so you'll have powerful parental controls right at your fingertips. It includes ad blocking functionality to help improve load times for websites that are full of privacy, invading ad tracking. It's also possible to have Eero Plus check the sites you visit against a database of millions of unknown threats to prevent you from visiting anything malicious. Eero Plus even includes a subscription to 1Password for password management, malware bytes for antivirus solutions, and encrypt.me. Now, uh, as you know, I am a user of Eero. I am a fan of Eero. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they, it just works. You plug it in. You put these beacons up. I cannot believe the, uh, the coverage that we get in our house. Sometimes just to relax in the afternoon, you know, because I'm broken inside. I'll just go and I'll look at uh, what the bandwidth settings are and how much we're getting up and down. I can look at any device and see uh, what kind of bandwidth it's pulling down. Uh, it just works amazing. I love the app. You can go in and I've added emoji to all the devices on my network. I get a notification when a new device tries to join our network. It's super easy to share passwords with visitors. It's just the best. You got to go get the Eero. So listen, please never think about Wi-Fi again. Go out right now and you get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package and one year of Eero Plus. You just go to Eero.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. And at checkout, use the very special promo code diffs, D-I-F-F-S. Eero.com slash diffs, offer code diffs. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. And these things like what? Like telemarketing calls, these kinds of things seem to go in waves. At least that's my, again, my uh, cognitive bias. It's like, wow, I feel like I'm getting this a lot. There was one that I've, <laughs> there was one, um, so we have a thing here called Clipper Card. It's probably like in any city with public transit where you've got a card that you can add credit to. You can put a monthly pass on it or you can get, get cash credit on it to use on public transit. And there was one particular station, not one machine, but one particular station downtown that I just stopped using because two of the time, times that I used it in less than six months, by the time my daughter and I emerged from the subway, I got the call. And and they were like, well, did you just purchase this thing and this thing and this thing usually they'll do like at least you can three. remember then because you just did it that one's pretty straightforward I, I i feel like i don't know i haven't haven't gotten in a while touch wood but um 
Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does seem like such a rickety system. It must just be something with the large of law of large numbers that yeah, they, they make can it just, up in volume. They, well, and exorbitant they, interest rates. They, volume, volume, volume. It's like a casino. They make it up in human nature is how they, how they make it up, right? So they make it up. I think, speaking of uh, public transit, I think oh, I have a recollection of what she told me when the cards got stolen. She's like right on the spot immediately calling all the companies to cancel all the cards. But of course, you can't be that fast, right? Yeah. So by the time she uh, canceled the cards, I think only one card had a charge on it. And it was like the Chicago, like whatever, the Venture card or whatever the the Chicago card thing is that's what they purchased with our stolen credit card within like with your stolen credit card number yeah well no they actually got the cards because they got everything they got her oh oh, she was in chicago i see yes okay yes they got they got her entire purse with everything Uh, i use an online banking service that i just keep waiting because i despise banks i hate them i just keep waiting for this service to get terrible um and it's not they're great like you photograph a check and it's in your account. The cash is in your account the next day. Yeah, like we have that thing too. You got that thing with the little mm-hmm. loopy logo? It's every every company has that, so I'm probably not using the same one. But yeah, you take a picture of the check. It's simple. It. Anyway. It's, and it's difficult. Like it's, my wife being the conservative person. S- simple is the name of the company and I've had great luck with them. So kudos to simple. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's what you Oh, you want. It's simple, not as in. Simple yeah. is the name of the company, simple.com. But they do another thing that I just love. You can send checks and stuff like that. And you can, you can even do if you, it's, it's, there's a little bit of uh, voodoo to it, but you know, there's like a limit, like any of these things, but if you need to send like a big cashier's check, they'll do that. And like FedEx it, they like mm-hmm. offer to like FedEx it for me. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You're amazing. But the thing that I love is they have in their little help area, they have a little travel thing and you just go in and say what dates you're going to be out of town. And would you like them to increase your limit while you're gone? And, and you, like with usually within a few hours, they'll say, okay, you're good to go. Like yeah, that, <laughs> with nice. Wells Fargo, it just seemed like anytime I, I, I left the Bay area. And of course, you, you know, this is one of my terrible anxieties is checking into a hotel somewhere and then going, sorry, your card doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, this, you know, it's just, it's such, I still, to this day where things are better than they used to be, I still have so much anxiety about checking into a hotel because of that. And because Wells Fargo and uh, Bank of America would both just do that all the time. They would just, I mean, it's like, oh, gosh, why would you be checking into a hotel that's not in your city? Oh, that, mm-hmm. that seems real weird. <laughs> I'm going to be sleeping in the closet like best of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish our companies were like that. We being the dutiful, or my wife also being the dutiful people, would call the credit card companies beforehand and say, we're yes. going to be traveling just so you know. And some of them, perhaps all of them would say, yeah, that's not a thing. There's nothing you can do to tell us that will influence our algorithms. It always We're, felt like a hack at best. Like the, the, there was not an official way to flag, like programmatically flag your account for you're going to yeah. be in Brighton, England. So so I think half of them say, uh, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. And the other half say, okay, but then still don't actually do anything about it. <laughs> okay. So, so we take our vacation in London and the first time we charge something, everything lights up like a Christmas tree. Oh, don't and, even say it. Don't yeah, even say it. It's just, I mean, that's just the way credit card companies it happened to me when i was in london i tried to i think i've talked about this before this were, is not were you trying to were you trying to let a lorry no this is not specifically a credit card thing but it's tangentially related i, I must have mentioned this in some other show but you anyway it, re- was, it to, was confusing to get used to their bring the thing to the table bit and like right, not knowing that, what to tip and stuff that's not this this is about okay. uh, me trying to buy things from sony over the computer okay right sony sells games and you don't have to get them on plastic disc you can just buy them as downloads Oh, right. Right. I think and I so, just put, I finally just ended up putting money into an account for that. 
Because yeah, like so every can, time I tried to do a transaction, it would go. Yeah, that's the up. thing. So you can put a credit card in, and you can do PayPal. Yeah, I've made successful purchases on my PlayStation with credit card, but ninety five percent of the time, it will just not take my money. It'll be like, sorry, uh, yeah, I can't. I it won't go through. Even if I use PayPal, it's like, nope, sorry, you can't buy anything. Why? <sighs> Doesn't let me buy anything. And this is if you Google for this, there are tons of people who say, yeah. I've never been able to buy heard, something with yes. a credit card. It's a perfectly good credit card, and Sony just rejects it. Like, there's something in their system that decides that they're never going to let you buy anything with a credit card, and it never gets unfixed. So what everybody does is they go and buy PlayStation gift cards, virtual PlayStation gift cards from Amazon or some other thing where you don't get a plastic card in the mail. You can do that. You can go to, like, any store and get a plastic <laughs> card that has a code and scratch off on the back it's of like it. It's like video game you, money laundering. Yeah. But you can also buy digital codes where you buy it on Amazon.com and it emails you a code and then you paste that code into your Sony thing and then it puts money into your account and then you buy the game with that money. And it's only in increments of like 50 bucks. And of course, games cost $60. So you end up buying $100 and you have $10 left and it's a whole big thing. Uh, but that's that's how I have to buy things from Sony because they won't take my money in any other form, despite me having tons of credit cards all in good standing and a PayPal oh, account. God. They just will not take it, right? So... When I was in London, I forget why I was doing this. I think I was trying to like buy a gift game for my nephews or something. Like I was for some reason when I was in London, away from my thing, I wanted to buy something on the PlayStation Store. So, and I knew I wouldn't be able to actually buy something from the PlayStation because you can do it in a web browser too. I knew I wouldn't be actually actually be able to do that. So I'm like, let me just buy a gift card. I bought the gift card on Amazon. Amazon shut down my account. What? They're like, you can your account is dead. You can't log in to Amazon anymore because you tried to buy. Oh, that's a, so scary. Sp- specifically you tried to buy a one of those virtual you know money laundering currency code things okay from london on that thing that's obviously fraud and i called them and they're like yeah we shut down your account because it totally looked like fraud i'm like okay well that was me i was doing that i'm in london i'm on vacation can you (laughs) prove it (laughs) can you reactivate it no can you reactivate it and they said oh yeah we can but you have to wait like 48 hours oh my god (laughs) so like yeah so it came back eventually but it's just not only did they shut it down, but it's like there is no recourse. You just have to wait it out. And they didn't do a very good job of making sure it was actually me, I thought. Oh, oh, boy. I sure run into that a lot. There's, 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 there, I, there, there are times when, you know, it is when you're doing anything with account stuff or even with just help stuff and they need to, like, verify it. Uh, I can tell you the most common one, at least for me, is um, they say, uh, so they'll, they'll say, can you confirm your your name and whatever last for your credit card number and then they say are you still at one two three four anywhere street and i mm-hmm. say well, hey i, I want to like go wait a minute i'm supposed mm-hmm. to tell you that mm-hmm. i don't matt honing me like you're not supposed yeah. to offer that up to me like, what do you think i'm gonna say no that's not where no, i live I'm not yeah or we just want to tell if you moved we're not actually trying to verify Ugh. anything about it. yeah that was that, I, yeah, talk about when I've had everything stolen and she had to fly back from Chicago and she didn't have any ID. Uh, you can apparently fly without ID if you go through a bunch of things. And so they, <laughs> like, they ask you a bunch of questions to prove who you are, which is stupid. <laughs> like, in, because, like in New Orleans, if you yeah. lose your ID at Mardi Gras. <laughs> exactly. It's stupid because my wife, you know, as she pointed out, like we have TSA Pre. And part of TSA Pre, they take your picture and your fingerprints. 
And so in theory, if you go up and say, my name is such and such, if if the world actually worked in a sane way, they could look up such and such in the TSA pre-database, pull up your picture, hold it next to your face yeah. and say, oh, that's you. But instead, they don't do that at all. Instead, what they do is ask you a bunch of questions about your life to prove that you are who you are. Oh, and those God. questions are being pulled from God knows what ancient credit report. But I right. I was thinking while I was telling me about this. Identify, identify which two of these four you've lived at in the past, that kind of thing. Right. But not harder than that. Like they were asking her in person. Like, for example, they asked something like, uh, when is your mother's birthday? I don't know. <laughs> it's in <gasps> May sometime. Oh, oh John. <laughs> right? It's oh, like, no. don't ask me It wasn't questions. like, when's the last time you applied for a mortgage? <laughs> they ask you a toughy-looking mother's birthday. Yes, because I don't oh, know like, things like are that. Are you just doing that for uh, InfoSec reasons? You honestly legit don't know your mother's birthday. No, I, I. it's like May 10th or 11th or something. It's usually around Mother's Day. Like, that's why I have calendars. Oh, that's not helping. There should be no or in that sense. It's like, I'm not good with dates, but that's what they want to ask you because they're like, everybody knows that. I do know like my parents' middle names and maiden name, my mom and that's stuff like that. I do find. know that. That is tough to find. Yeah. But but if pressed, if you ask me what my like how to spell my grandfather's middle name, uh, I don't know. I can right. guess I could get close. Maybe well, it's another one of these Apple ID kind of things where like if you spell Jedediah wrong, you're not getting on the plane. Yeah. And it's, especially with TSA, it's not have I don't think there's a lot of I mean, oh, I was good. She knows all this stuff. It's fine. Like, but like all I speaking of the all I can hold on to is my my kids birthdays and my wife's birthday and my own. That's it. That's all I've got room for. And and I have to repeat every uh, every couple of months. I repeat in my head all all three of those birthdays that I'm supposed to remember to keep them in there. If I didn't do that exercise, I would forget them because I'm just I'm not good at remembering dates, except for my birthday, which is on a significant date. Oh wait, I know this. Wait, I I know this. Okay, I'm not even gonna try. Uh, it's the last day of the year. Really easy. It's the easiest. It's like the first day or the last day. There's the easiest one to remember. Is it Ju- Julian or Gregorian? Uh, whatever one we use now. How do you feel about uh, daylight saving time? We talked about that. Yeah, I don't know. Don't you, think, like, don't you feel like we should just stick with that year round? I think we should split the difference and, and go a thirty minute offset from where we are now. Oh, like 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 what? Like one of those like uh, what, what, isn't Arizona? Aren't they? Yeah, some, weird? somebody's a uh, this somebody's is a CGP gray thing. Offset. We should not get into this. Yeah, but but anyway, like I I my super. I for a while I was taking my dog out in the dark in the morning and then I was didn't have to bring the flashlight and now I got to bring the flashlight again. Yeah. And bedtime's rough. Oh gosh, she had two sleepovers this weekend. She had a sleepover at our house. That's where we watched Ponyo. Yeah, we watched Ponyo and uh, the four of us sat around and decided uh which people in that movie need more or less drugs in their life. I think the mm-hmm. father is the one we thought needed the most uh changes to his prescription. Ponyo doesn't need drugs. Ponyo loves, Ponyo ham. loves ham. I love that movie. Um and then uh, Saturday night, she had to sleep over at her friend's house for her birthday. And then you had the time. So she's already, of course, I'm the only person, I think, who really, really sweats this. But I was like, going into this Sunday night, I was like, oh, we've got a lot. We're really down in the count on this one, guys. We got two nights. And then now she's got to go to bed, like, when it's light out, which is just mm-hmm. murder mm-hmm. with a kid. <sighs> she's got her ID, though. Well, what time? Wait, wait a second. What time are you putting her to bed? Ideally. Um. No, she's well. She's got to. She's supposed to be in bed um, by eight o'clock, and Whoa. so basically, Whoa. well, well, we do well. She's a, ambitious. She's a kid. Well, then she she reads, she mm-hmm. reads, and she adjusts the lights, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> she does the things that she likes to do. But you know, no screens, bedtime, and uh, yeah, and she's pretty good about that. Um, 
Uh, we tried to hold the line on on a reasonable bedtime, but having two kids with one of them being older, know, the younger one always felt the injustice of the other one being able to stay up later. So their bedtimes synced up with each other just because of the injustice. Your of daughter sees ones. the inju- the injustice inherent in the system. That's right. That's the violence. So, so say it. Say it. Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. Uh, that's what we have been shooting for for a while. Hmm. Uh, but <gasps> that got pressed to nine thirty, and Ooh. my son will go to bed at nine thirty because he's tired. Yeah. My daughter will perhaps enter her bedroom at 9.30. You still hear some Sometimes, crafts going on in there? She's got secret flashlights and all sorts of things where she <laughs> stuff under the covers. Sometimes she will come out of the bedroom at 11 and say, I can't sleep. Can I watch TV with you? And it's like, <laughs> no, you have to wake up for school. Oh, so anyway. you, do you always hold a hard line on that? Yeah, because she's got to go to bed. Like, I know. Well, that's because you put gets... your kid to bed at 9.30. That's insane. I'm not putting my kid... This is he. You'll see. My You'll, daughter. It'll, it'll my, happen to you eventually too. She doesn't have the the example know, of a kid three year older to see what could possibly know, be, but I eventually she will. She'll see the Matrix and be like, "Wait a second, such bedtime a is a construct." It's such a great opportunity to be a hero. Like last night. Okay, so so she had a sleepover Friday. She had a sleepover Saturday. She had eh, not great night of sleep on Sunday. Like not as much as I would like. She fell asleep on the couch at three o'clock on Monday yesterday. Mm. And slept for a solid hour before I kind of shook her a little bit. And so, you know, <laughs> so I'm out there watching my programs, watching my stories. And she comes out and she's like, oh, I think my nap screwed me up. And I let her watch, you know, 15 minutes of Monster Factory. I get to be super dead. And then she's tired. She lays on my leg. She's tired. And we go to bed. You ha- you were losing yeah. such a hero opportunity here. It's not, it would not go play out that way. You should show her Monster side. Factory. Because she wouldn't do anything for 15 minutes. <laughs> And Why? Because she gets th- too into it? It's just that it would continue. First of all, it would become a thing. I would be setting a precedent. And second she of all, would it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as if okay. she'd be there for 15 minutes, get sleepy, and go back. Like, her problem is she's inside her own head about the fact that she can't sleep. She's, like, your whole thing, like, being being anxious about being anxious. Like, that's where I did she's it, at. I did, it, I did it just last night. I, I, I did it just last night. I was falling asleep a little later than usual. And I said to myself, you dummy, this is not the time to think and worry. Now's the time to just go to sleep. It's not the time to think about going to sleep. You just got to, you got to imagine there's a little uh, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson drain hole on your head. Let all the thoughts go out and you just go to sleep. But that's not yeah, what happens. And that's what I tell her. I just tell her, go into the room, close your eyes and you'll eventually fall asleep. Like that is the system. And any deviation from the system is to, to think that there's something else you need to do. to it's so it easy. Like, it's if it so easy. It's difficult. Well, yeah. And, it, and if it didn't work, if I told her to do that and then she just was still up at one and two, I'd try something else. But it works every time. Like she just needs to go back in the room and like within within 75 seconds, I peek in the room and she's like doing the sleeping breathing thing. And I can tell she's out like a lot. Of course, she, she's snoring. exhausted and it's 11 o'clock yes. at night. Yeah, it's but it's also it's kind of a throwback to like, I want to say what, age four or five. Where it's like the more tired they get, they get the more yeah, agitated over-tired. they get. Yes, They're yes, over-tired. exactly. It's the magic word that parents know, but doesn't make any sense to anyone who's not a parent. But it's a real th- a description of a real thing that rings true with people who have had kids. That's when my daughter starts juggling. She's she's so goddamn tired, but she wants to juggle. I'm like, mm-hmm. honey, this is not a good time to juggle. This is not yeah. a juggling time. This is a going to sleep time. This, as as I like to say in my house, where it's winding down time. It's not winding up time. I hate myself so much. Why did I? Why am I like this? I used to be cool. I used to be cool, John. I used to play in bands. Mm-hmm. 
debatable, yeah, well. but you're, you're definitely taking advantage of, the, of having the only child because it's the only thing that gets oh, you, lets you get away with having a kid no that credit. age. I get no credit for my amazing parenting. To accept the fact that you're supposed to be in your bedroom at eight, because if there was another kid yeah. living in your house three years older who got to stay up till nine, it would yeah. not fly. <laughs> Let's be honest. There's violence and injustice inherent mm-hmm. in the system. That's true. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by going to burrow.com slash diffs. That's B-U-R-R-O-W slash diffs. And if you go there now, you can get $75 off your order. Nothing wrong with that. Well, let me tell you what Burrow is. Listen, listen, I I got a lot to say about Burrow, so you guys are going to have to bear with me because this is a company that has had an impact on my family's life, and I'll tell you more in a minute. But first, let me say that your home is important. I know that. I'm a podcaster. I'm very well aware of the importance of a home. You want to come home to somewhere that feels comfortable and maybe even looks stylish? Uh, A place that's maybe designed to fit you. Huh? Doesn't that sound kind of nice? Well, Burrow is rethinking how people shop for and live with their sofa. And that's why they let you easily customize a high-quality sofa online. It can then be shipped to you for free in one week. One week, you guys. The Burrow sofa adapts to your life. It's scratch and stain resistant, so you don't have to worry about spills. It has a built-in USB charger. It really does. So you can charge your devices right from your sofa. Where am I living? (sighs) The fabric is totally free of harmful chemicals, and the frame is made from sustainably sourced hardwood. It's a sofa that grows with you. You can make your Burrow bigger at any time by adding new pieces, and you can easily set up and disassemble it yourself with no tools required. And Burrow sofas are designed for comfort, you can customize every detail. You can pick comfy low armrests or stylish high ones. The proprietary foam is supportive yet super cozy. And don't forget to check out their line of stylish pillows and throws. All made from soft hand-woven fabric ready to complement your new sofa. Okay, now I'm going to tell you the part that they didn't tell us to say, which is this. I heard we were going to get this sponsor, right? Burrow. Now here's the thing. I don't know if you've ever tried to shop for a sofa. It is my contention that second only to buying a home... Buying a sofa is one of the most annoying long-term things that you can do as a household. We have been trying to buy a sofa for years. We have a notes file that we have shared for years with rich media media of sofas that we've gone and looked at on, and sat on, and they're very, they're very costly, and they take a long time to come. Here's the thing. My wife and I, we looked at each other. We said, hey, this one's been on our list. Let's try the burrow. So we bought a burrow. We bought a burrow for our home. We got rid of our old nasty couch from 1966. And now we have a burrow couch and my family loves it. I still sit on it and I think like, what the hell's going on? This is supportive. It doesn't sink. It's not a 1966 couch. We love this thing. My wife loves this. My daughter loves this. Our cat, unfortunately, loves it. But you know what? She can't hurt it because of, of all, the, all the covering and whatnot. It's a really, really nice couch. I like the burrow. Uh, yeah, okay, this did, did tell us to say this. Burrow was recently named one of the best inventions of 2018 by Time Magazine. That's a feather in their cap. And right now you can get $75 off your award-winning Burrow sofa by going to burrow.com slash diffs. Let me give that to you again. B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash diffs for $75 off your order. I'm sorry to go on about this. This was a huge moment for us. We have a new sofa. It came from Burrow. We like it. Please go get one. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Um, We have... Um we have a main topic this week. Do we, are, did we, are you satisfied that we've covered the uh, follow-up? I'm satisfied with my care. Okay. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, let's, um, let's talk about the main topic this week. Do you want to call a smaller schmutt? 
Sure. Although ha- you've really, got to call a smaller smartphone. Uh, honestly, we we told you all to watch this last week, and you had two weeks to do it. So two weeks, I think you would agree, Marilyn, is completely adequate amount of time to watch it. hundred. It would be so movie. depressing to me to know there was somebody out there who had not watched the show until did not watch the movie until twenty one minutes before the podcast started recording. Yeah, like you've got Can you two imagine weeks. That? I mean, last the last episode, we people couldn't have done it because they had heard about it during the episode. Sure, but surely with two weeks' notice, it's plenty of time. It's absolutely so. So much, especially when you only have one child. Just the one, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have approximately four and a half free hours every day. That's a lot. Um, but between dropping her off and picking her up and doing my quote unquote work. This is my free time right now. Oh God. I just can't win this game with you. No, you're not gonna win this game with me. Absolutely no, not. No, I'm not as intensely involved with my future vacations as you are. Uh, oh, future uh, vacations. Yeah. Your future vacation. Anytime you leave town with your family, it's a vacation. Um, the uh, the challenge this week is that uh, John John uh, somehow discovered this movie called uh, Free Solo, Solo, and it's about uh, this guy named Alex uh, who is going to try and without ropes climb up El Capitan. And anyway, we're going to talk about that movie now. Uh, I feel like stuff I'm going to say qualifies as a spoiler. If you, if you don't care, you can skip it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally going to spoil it too. So yep. Watch, yep. Yep. I mean, it's it not first. like, it's not like, you know, it's not a Shyamalan movie, but I mean, it is. It's a documentary. So it's not fiction. That's what they say. Yeah. So it has the unfortunate, uh, side effect that reality is a spoiler for the movie. Oh, uh, so, uh, Jim, please, uh, listen. And as usual, just to let you know, thank you for listening. That's all we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. If you do skip it, you, you know, but it's like, well, what's the thing you kept yelling at me about? It's a, what is it? A uh, hundred minutes. Yep. Short it's movie. It's good. It won an Oscar. It's, it's, yeah, it's, you should watch it, I guess. Yeah. Ringing yeah. endorsement. Not a good boyfriend. You should watch it, I guess. Yeah. Says Not a good boyfriend. Uh, so Jim, please drop in the, uh, spoiler horn at this point. John, you have presented Free Solo. Yeah, the most upsetting spoiler-related thing to this is uh, at the Oscars, they won for, like, Best Documentary, Feature Film, whatever, uh, and they all go up on stage to collect their Oscar. Like, you know you know when they bring the entourage on stage? Like, I don't know who gets it for, like, Best Picture, I guess, like, the producer, producer or yeah. who, whoever the heck gets it, right? But everybody goes up, including the star of the movie. Alex was but, there? Yes, he was, was wearing on his red stage. shirt. He was wearing like tux, right? okay, uh, and his girlfriend uh, oh, wearing, love wearing a red dress. And so Ugh. this movie, uh, to, you know, I, which you know because you've already watched it by the time you listen to this, free soloing is is climbing up something without anything, mm-hmm. no ropes, no partner, nothing. And, just and you, he's, like and human. he succeeds. You get you get a back, yeah. And the whole tension of the movie is: is he going to fall to his death or be grievously injured? Is but if he you see him on stage die? at the Oscars, yes. yeah. If you see him on stage during the Oscars, looking healthy, standing on his own two feet, you know <gasps> the end of the movie. Oh. There was a point when he was going back and forth with his incredibly, I don't know why she's so tall. I have so much to say about the girlfriend That's uh, where I was about. like, you know, I think I said to you in the text, like, I, yeah, I want him to succeed, but I really hate this guy. I, I, well, anyways, it would have been a different movie if he died for sure. Yeah. So, so here, here's the thing. Um, the movie the documentary when you see all the trailers for it, you're like, oh, this guy's going to do this amazing climbing feat and look at these scary things of a person with no thing attached to them up really, really high. And you get beautiful sweaty shots. Palms, really beautiful right? photography. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and it's very scary, right? But of course, when you watch it, like you can do a documentary just about that. And we've all seen that like 
People yeah. are going to do the hard thing. Here's a documentary about, like the Barkley Marathon. Barkley Marathon, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the thing, right? And the other kind of documentary is, this is supposed to be a movie about a guy doing the hard thing or whatever, but really it's a movie about like that person or their relationships. Or like it's a human story with the <laughs> right. backdrop of a dramatic feat or a conflict or whatever. And Free Solo kind of splits the difference. And when I first started watching it, I, I mm-hmm. thought it was going to be like, let me tell you about the heroic feat. But it very quickly became clear that it was really going to be about this guy, Alex, and his girlfriend. Like, those yeah. are the two main characters of the movie. And so, yeah, there is the climbing part of it, but somewhat anticlimactic because he's all over the media, so you know he lives. Despite the fact your your palms will still be sweating like crazy during the climbing parts, even though you know he's going to live just because we have lizard brains and it doesn't matter that we know he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but the heart of the movie was the girlfriend relationship because... <sighs> And and they, they built it in from the beginning when they did the edit. Like, this is it. This is the heart of our movie. So from the very beginning, they, they have him talking about, like, does living in a van affect your love life? I thought the first act was really effective um, at, at building up all of the I, – I couldn't peg it directly to the acts. But, like, yeah, definitely backing into this being a story about him and – uh, his, what does one say? They mentioned his father having a spectrum disorder, um, that they did. I don't think they ever directly just said, said that he has, but mm-hmm. this very, very unusual character. And I feel like when they did the MRI, I mean, it really, but you get this, this guy, this guy who like goes and talks to schools, but he's living in this like pretty, he lives in a van and he's, he's very unconventional in every way. But, but uh, the MRI for me is like when it really came alive. Yeah, I don't know how much of documentary BS that is or whatever, but you can clearly see that he is very dedicated. Well, in the story, in the storytelling, it definitely worked. So basically, they scanned the guy's brain and said, at least in the scan they did, they were seeing virtually no activity in his amygdala. I don't know if that's how you could, if you can do that with an MRI, but it certainly tracks. With the, with the stimulus they were giving him. They were giving him stimulus that in regular people lights up that region and he wasn't getting anything. But it, it, certainly, it certainly tracks to his somewhat mute reaction to... Uh, some of these seemingly uh, foolhardy challenges, but also in his lack of affect uh, when it comes to truly understanding, <laughs> this will come up again, truly understanding uh, what's involved for other people in his life with what he's choosing to do. Yeah, and it's not as if he has no fear. He has a healthy amount of fear, uh, otherwise he would be dead already. Yeah, that was the other big turn. The other big turn is when he ditches that one morning. I yeah, thought that was a great he, moment. And he, yeah, and he ditched essentially because it didn't feel right. He was going based on like, it's not like he got into a situation he couldn't get out of. It was yeah. fear, fear saving his life. Because he talks about, all the, they talk about through the thing, all the people who do free selling who are dead. Like yeah. if you don't have fear, you will just die because eventually you will take a risk that you can't, you know, so he's yeah, he right kind of, now he kind of addresses alive. that, especially when they're walking. One of my favorite parts of the movie is walking through what makes each of these particular bits of the face difficult to climb. And they all have wackadoo extreme guy names. Mm. But, um, but like I, he basically says as much that like you, you, if you don't have that fear of death, you can't uh, something, something warrior spirit. Like you can't, you can't be as good as you can be if you don't have that fear. You, you won't you in other words you you won't complete it and you will die yeah and he's he's very much a nerd in that he is goal oriented and has a system for reaching that goal it's not cowboy like i'm gonna be the brave climber or whatever it's like mm-hmm. methodical systematic uh he- still a healthy dose of fear so he's not like he doesn't he's like a robot he doesn't feel like he totally does but the, what he does is he channels that into i'm like i'm just going to go down there with my ropes and practice this one move just over and over and over again and 
and memorizing the route and knowing like where every handhold is for this you know it's an amazing feat of memorization too just like mm-hmm. the body movement it's basically like imagine a dance they where, do that fast edit they're doing that fast edit when he's going over his plan and it sounds like something from patriot there's so much crazy lingo of what he has to like remember to do in order it's like a five hour long dance where no move is repeated like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they use that analogy in the movie, but basically, if you, he's, like, from one handle to the next thing to the next thing, but he's on that mountain for hours and hours, so. There's the one where you're basically, I mean, just if you haven't seen the movie yet, um, where it's it's essentially, like, you're trying to climb the inside of a glass box. We've got, like, basically a corner and a virtually sheer, smooth face. So, you imagine just trying to climb the corner of a glass building from the inside. Yeah, and that's the uh, was the Teflon corner, I think they call that. And he was debating different uh, routes he was going to take. I think that the movie did a good job of explaining something that would not be apparent to someone who doesn't know anything about climbing, like me and I assume you. Yep. Is that, like, some of the things that look the most dangerous and most difficult, like the crack climbing, is actually the most secure for a good climber. Because you can really because, get a grip on it. Yeah, because they always feel like they're, like, interlocked with the mountain. He described it as, like, it felt like the mountain was crushing you in a vice. Mm-hmm. But if you look at that, you're like, this is the scariest one because there's nothing but that crack. But really, the much more scary ones, when it looks like there's all sorts of things to hold on to, but none of those things are particularly big or secure or they're far apart. So having a continuous crack that you can wedge parts of your body into just really feels like you're anchored to the rock. Uh, and that, even though it's very scary and dramatic, for him, it's like, this is the easy part. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. But but yeah, getting back to the relationship thing. So it starts off of like, oh, you know, uh, the, the van doesn't hurt my love life. In fact, some girls like it because it's adventurous or whatever. So he, he meets at one of like his book signing things or whatever, because he does have fame for being a very good free solo climber. He's on the cover of climbing magazines, all this other stuff. He meets this girl who, you know, it's kind of self-selecting. Hey, are you into guys who are cool outdoorsy and live in a truck well you know here's the guy for you and so they make they make a connection but she's not but she's not a climber and does not well that's that's the fully best part. embrace his uh his instinct in the beginning they ask like so is your girlfriend a climber too and he's like no not really and then mm. you see her and she's like climbing up freaking mountains and it's like okay to compared to you as far as you're concerned she's not as good as a climber as you are but if in what real it's like life i would say you. I was like, she climbs up this giant rock yeah. with ropes. She's like, if she's not a climber, then like, who is just she you? Needs ropes. <laughs> yeah, like she's not. No, no, she's not a climber. And then you I see her is, climbing. All I have is chalk in a dream. <laughs> yeah, like how is she not a climber? Yeah. Anyway, so his emotional intelligence is not great with this mm, person. So, yeah, and, and I would one, say not. In some respects, he is very upfront. Like they did have this whole section of like him saying, like, if I have to choose between a girl and climbing, I'm always going to choose climbing, which is fair enough. Like he's communicating the, the the parameters of their relationship. And if she wants to sign up for that, she can sign up for it. Mm, yeah. But, but then very... also, you also get the snapshots of his family where he talks about how he never got hugged and yeah, that's why he's and, the way he and is. The, and the drive for perfectionism. But at least he's self-aware enough to not like, these are my priorities. At this point in my life, all I care yeah. about is the climbing. And if you want to be my girlfriend and hang out, fine. But don't say, Ugh. you know what, I would really like it if you would uh, not climb, but instead hang out with me. When he's, I, I just hear, I hear something that I am so embarrassed came out of my mouth on so many occasions, which was some flavor of me saying to a, a girlfriend, like, uh, you, you knew what I was like when you met me. Mm-hmm. But I bet the thing is, I bet she she didn't know what you were like. Like, if you didn't actually communicate that, like on your no, first date. No, because I was to trying say, to be charming and get her to like yeah. me. But like, that's what you say before you break up with somebody. But in his case, it's before he does or doesn't climb a mountain without telling her. Right. But but the thing is, he, uh, my impression is that he actually did say that up front and said, look, if you want to hang out with me, here's my deal. My right. deal is this. 
And that is still unfair <laughs> because you can say that to someone and they'd be like, oh, well, he doesn't mean it or uh, he'll, sweethearts out of your he'll, come, he'll come around or uh, it sounds cool, but eventually he'll settle down, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's still upsetting to her when these things happen. But it seems like in the, doc- the way the documentary presented it, that he was very upfront about it. Being upfront about it doesn't mean it's any more jerky. It just means that, like, many people get into situations where they end up getting hurt, where they could have predicted it ahead of time, intellectually speaking, but emotionally speaking, they feel like things are going to work. And it's not like he was mean to her. It sounds a little bit like you're saying she knew what she was in for. I don't I the movie makes it seem like that she did know but here's the thing you can think that but then you could also believe okay fine everyone has like a time think of it this way like someone says um uh, you know you're dating someone and they're 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 in medical school they're like look medical school is going to absorb my life and then I'm going to become a doctor and it's really important for me to get through medical I'm school I'm not going like, to stop going to medical school because we like kissing because you yeah because you're away too much like I, you, I don't like it when you do your residency yeah, you're okay, not around yeah. a lot right and but it, one person will slave lives and the other person could endanger half yeah, a dozen right. people. Right, but, but I mean, you can say say what you want, whether it's frivolous, but it is this person's career and he's famous on the cover of magazines. Yeah. It's, you know, so, but here's the thing about it. And this is, this is the part that the main reason I wanted to talk about this movie is this particular point, which I felt like this, this documentary had all this stuff. It had the, the do the daring feet and dramatic uh, footage. And then it found this personal story within it with this relationship at the heart of it. And it kept pinging at this question because she's eventually like, uh, you know, as she became more attached, just like, I would really prefer if you didn't do things that could kill you, that type of stuff. I like, I know mm-hmm. you want to do this, but like, you don't have to do it. And like, what do you think? Like, and th- the heart of it to me was, you know, they showed them shopping for a house and, and stuff like that was like, okay. He's looking at his phone the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're going to do this thing. I understand. Yeah. I'm terrified. I'm very upset about it. Apparently, I think they worked out between each other, the idea that he would do it without telling her so she wouldn't be fretting the whole time. Like, mm. it seemed like that was... She wasn't like she was super mad about it. Like, she'd rather not know. Like, she'd rather just say, like, I know you're going to do this. I'm not sure when it's going to be. And she even says, like, are you going to climb the mountain when I'm gone? He's like, maybe. Like, But it's better for her just not to think about it. But lurking in the back with all this footage of them doing house shopping is this idea, which they never asked at the end of the movie. They had the perfect chance to ask it, which is, and I'm sure it was discussed between them. After you do this thing, which is the pinnacle of your climbing achievement, mm-hmm. and you've achieved this perfection thing that you want, then will will you stop doing insane dangerous things because this is like the pinnacle this is the one thing that no one had ever done before that his goal that he thought was impossible it's his impossible dream after that will you only climb from ropes with ropes from that point on or will you just look for the next thing and that i feel like is a critical conversation because i think you can i think they certainly hinted at it with the last shot that he he's he's not nearly done he's a, he he's an adrenaline junkie or whatever you want to call it, and there's no way he's going to stop. But the movie didn't ask that. She, the movie didn't show her asking him that. doing the chin ups, him doing the chin ups in the van at the end, and his his little smirk at the end. Sure, that's 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 fine. But like the movie framed it totally as like he wanted to have his perfect day. This was oh, God, his lifetime achievement. He's, he's supposed like, to be this lovable mope, and like I just see him as such a toxic character. And maybe this is just the the, the time and the atmosphere right now. But like I don't know. At every turn, I just kept thinking, wow. What I, what I was avoiding saying is, like, so often African-American people will pop up and say, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never put my life on the line like that because I don't have the support structure there 
I'm putting this as mildly as I can, but there are a lot of there are a lot of people without a lot of money and people of color who don't climb the sheer side of a mountain because they don't have the superstructure in place for anything conceivably going wrong, let alone watching their kids for him. And to me, you just add to that this mix. I'm sorry to give this guy the villain edit, but at the same time, he's got this woman in his life, this this wonderful, delightful woman who improbably loves him despite his ineptitude at dealing with the rest of the world, his, his, his satisfaction with like eating beans in a bus. And it's like, it's, it's like, I feel like he's supposed to be this lovable. If this movie came out in 1985, it'd be the greatest thing ever today. It really, it really rubbed me wrong. And I don't think they interrogated, they left a little breadcrumb trail and certainly gave themselves enough plaudits for their wonderful photography job. But like that guy was an See, I'm, I'm not entirely sure who, like, I don't give him that much of a villain edit. Like, I, I think it is plot. There is a plausible scenario based on what's on the screen that after he does this amazing thing, he no longer does dangerous free solos anymore. Like, because people have lives like that where they do an amazing feat in their 20s and achieve their thing, whether it's a gold medal at the Olympics or whatever. And then they go on to have a normal life, having achieved the thing they always dreamed of. Lots of Olympic medalists, uh, athletes are like that because they, sure. they always want to get you a become, goal. You, you become a coach or a sportscaster. You do something that's, yes, exactly. You have to dedicate your whole life to it. Like, it's all-consuming. There's no room for anything else, and you do it when you're young and strong, and you achieve your goal of getting the gold medal, and you don't spend the rest of your life chasing more gold medals. You're like, I did the thing, and now I'll settle down and have a family and get a job or, you know, be a coach mm. or, like, whatever it is but, you're going to do. But, like, what's the reason he's doing – okay, let's say he does do that. And I, I would put a $1 bet on this right now that we have not seen the end of his stupid antics. Yeah, which would mean basically that he's going to die eventually, which is what we're all waiting for now, right? Well, I mean, because yeah, – okay. And, like, like without getting too deeply into his interior world except as much, as much as I need to – if he did decide to quit doing that, why would he decide to quit doing that? Would he do that because he realizes he can't have the warrior spirit and be some kind of like Ayn Rand shogun anymore? Or would he be doing it out of the concern of the woman in his life? Uh, definitely would, not that. Well, that's that's <laughs> the thing is I think he would do it because like, like I can't be Johnny Studboy anymore without killing myself. It would again be for his own reasons. And believe me, I'm far from the most altruistic or kind person in the world. But like he just seems entirely self-motivated in a way that but he likes to think of himself as this this maverick standalone kind of character and you know maybe he is but like i don't want too many guys like this in my life see i again with the edit of the movie the way it is it makes it seem like he's he's got to do this thing and he can't rest until he does this thing but that once he does this thing he will have gotten the monkey off his back and fed his demon dog. I don't know how you possibly got that read from this movie. That's that's what I got from it, right? And, yeah. and the reason I got that from it is because he does not strike me as a person who would ever subsume his ambition for, for another relationship. He says that a million times explicitly. Like, it's the text in their relationship. It's not even the subtext. They talk about it openly. And that's what frustrated me so much about the movie is they talked about all the stuff so openly to the camera and to each other, but never uh, yeah, actually... They, they used it in the movie as a plot point, but it didn't resolve in a way that was standing right in front of them. Yeah, they, they didn't ask the questions like, so when this is over, then what? They did not say that to each other. They did not say that to the camera. And so it leaves you to surmise what their future might yeah. be because... She, she'll, she'll, be go she'll be gone in two years. Yeah, if... Uh, she was there in the Oscars, by the way. But like, if, if for example... Uh, he continues to pursue the next bigger thing. She's not the right woman for him because she, it, she obviously she can't take it. There may be a woman who can. You know, people who are in these He's relationships a where it's like a rebel. 
Yeah, some people are like, I, I understand you're going to do, do your thing. I'm okay with the fact that you're probably going to die. And I'm on board with that. She's not on board with it. She's on board for this one thing. And she's like, She wants well, to like, can... share a life and pick out a refrigerator together. Right. That's what she wants after you do the thing. She's like, let me, it seemed to me that she was just like, just let him get through this alive. Because okay. after that, we can have a normal life. If, if they had, I know this would not be possible to do. It, so you get to the wonderful scene where, so he's gotten, and I have to admit, I wasn't sweaty palmed because I just didn't like the guy and I didn't care that much if he died. But, but when he makes it past the, uh, the karate kick on the boulder and he makes it up, he, he keeps going and he finally gets to that last big crack at the end and he gets to the top and the valedictory soaring music happens. And I honestly, the best part of this movie is the camera work. It's astonishing. Some of it is just, even on my iPad, it looks so good. Um, if they cut out the bit with him crying, almost crying at the top on speakerphone, if they cut out that whole thing with that soaring music, would you still have the same impression that he's done with dangerous stuff? It wasn't from that that I got the impression. It was because all their conversations revolved around the the subtext was that she was like, I hate this, but I can do it for this one thing. I hate thing. this and I feel left out. I feel I hate this and I feel that you have this direction in what you're doing. I'm not trying to stop you from and, doing and what you do. you don't care do. how I feel about it. You, and you're going to do, do well, it no matter it's, what. It's that you, but yeah, mm, I don't think, I think it is partly, I, I can't speak for her feelings, but what I took from it was like, she's, she's sitting there in the stupid van, like doing 80% crossing this, this great line way over 80% to try to communicate with him and to articulate things in a way that he can understand. And, mm-hmm. and if he, if he has some kind of a disability and I'm, I'm being unkind, I don't mean to be, but he's, ba- it's basically like talking to linoleum and like, he gives the answer that he needs to give, tries to talk her out of being mad. Oh, see, you're not mad anymore. Boop, 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 boop. See also Merlin in college. I'm believe me, I see myself in this guy. It was just that she, I think it wasn't just that her feelings were hurt. It was that she was trying to understand what we're trying to build here. And he seemed to have just enough interest in that to keep her from getting mad at him um but not any real i don't i never i feel like and i did not watch it as carefully as you i did not see anything in his behavior that said to me that he genuinely cared about her interest in welfare beyond being the cipher of a, of a girlfriend uh that he could have uh who would be nice to him he just did not seem at all interested in their relationship yeah, because he wasn't like that was that's the text of their thing. Like, I'm if you want this to be a relationship, I'm not going to do any work for it. So you can either be there or you can not be there. But I and, and the thing is, he subverted himself slightly by doing a little bit of work as in trying to console her. But anytime he was presented with a direct question, he gave he gave the wrong answer. Believe me, I know the tricks. He would try to soothe her. I, I, I did yeah, not. So that's, that's, that's the mental I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm carrying in. this on too far, but that, that was the part that bugged me. And then, of course, I started thinking, uh, you know, like there's that video Darth uh, retweeted today of the guy who heroically runs into his house to save his dog. And, and I'm like, man, OK, I'm glad you got your dog out. I'm so glad you and your dog are fine. All the firemen are yelling at that guy. Don't run into the burning house because mm. guess what? If he goes down from a little bit of smoke inhalation, now those guys have to run in there and rescue him. And I was just thinking about people when they call 911 and they're all ready to get ready to call 911. Oh, I can't look. I can't look at what he's doing. Oh, this is just too much for me. And it's like, you call 911. Who's going to peel that guy off the side of the mountain? If he goes, if he goes like pinballing down the mountain, like who's going to have to get in there and rescue him? It's just because he's, he's a, got the warrior spirit. I, I, I think that's probably people who work who work nine one one at, at uh, Yosemite. I They're think probably used that, to that. Yeah, that's what, sadly, <laughs> I think that's probably a thing that is a regular occurrence. Like, because yeah. 
I don't with, know what with, the with all that is said, there, I do think he was an interesting guy. And I, I mean, especially um, before the girlfriend really, I don't know why I have such a thing about the, the girlfriend relationship. It just bugged me. But like, you know, there was <laughs> like when he fell 30 feet and he hurt his ankle. Mm-hmm. And then of course he gets and right back. on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he, she yeah. knew what she was in it was the for. It's the only variable. It's the only thing well, that changed. He, um, but when he starts climbing the wall with his orthopedic boot on and you're yep. like, oh my God, this guy is hardcore. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not trying to impugn his skills, ability, and focus. If you're going to be an elite athlete, you have to have that. It was more, I don't know, I'm carrying on, but like, it was just more that like, I just, he's, he's, I feel like I've met him so many times and like the people around him never end up happy. The people who are around that guy. Well, see, here's the thing. I think if he, if he continues along this path and has not arrested his demon dog, she needs to get rid of him and she will be gone eventually because she's not up for she that. She can sleep some, on my some, couch. She seems really nice. I bet she cleans up after herself. Yeah. Some, some people are on board for that type of relationship. Like the, the, you know, the, the female equivalent of him, they can be fine together, but she's not ready for that. But I felt like she was, she was obviously attracted to the idea of everything that he does and is interested in the whole living in the car thing up to a certain point but does want him to settle down. So if he settles down, I think they can be happy together. If he doesn't settle down, she needs to be out of there. But in, in the non-settling down time, sort of in the I can change him courtship time, she may be right or she may be wrong. But she's definitely getting the short end of that stick for sure. And it's kind of a miracle that she stuck around. I, I actually do wonder if she would have stuck around if there wasn't a documentary film crew. <laughs> and like the, you know. Can you imagine the interviews that she has to sit through at this point? I mean, like, where she or she has to listen to some dumb podcast where people speculate about her life. Like, she's got to sit around and like have the same freaking interview over and over about yeah, like. How do you feel about when he's climbing? Oh my god, you must have been so worried and nervous mm-hmm. and like, wow, what's it do like now? Call, do you think you caused him to fall that one time? Yeah, you were the only factor. <laughs> it's 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 just like I don't know, man. It just if, anyway, but but you know, I'm trying to get my mind right. I was eating my dinner and watching this movie and thinking, why did John visit this upon me? Um, I thought it was exquisitely done in many ways and very beautiful. Um, but, you know, it also got me thinking as I tried to come around to what I imagine would be your point of view. You're interested in stuff like Barkley Marathons. You're interested in movies like this. That was your suggestion, by the way, Barkley Marathon. Well, I feel like whether it's video games, athletics, you've beaten me up about sports in the past before I got into basketball. Like, you you do seem to have a curiosity, if not a full-blown interest, in people who are doing things that everybody else thinks is difficult or maybe impossible. That seems like yeah, a, people who are driven and ambitious to do, to do the difficult thing, especially when that costs them something, because that's the human drama part of it. Like almost in almost every type of thing, like it costs you something, whether it costs your safety, your health, your personal relationships, your sanity. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, there's, there's a, <clears throat> a, a deceased CEO that comes to mind. Yeah. Or even like, I, I don't know if I mean, you, isn't, isn't that of, kind of what Steve Jobs was? Yeah, although he was more of a garbage fire even than Alex, what's his name, <laughs> in terms of <laughs> what it, what it cost of his personal life and relationship. He had a lot of demon dogs, too, and yeah. was able to get some of them on leashes, I feel like, as he aged, but never really uh, wrestled them all down. But the, the other person I was thinking of, and I don't, I think this is probably like a very long article I read once and not a documentary, but and maybe you read it, too, when it was going around several years ago. Like the, It was like a long profile of Michael Jordan after his retirement, after his like real <laughs> retirement from everything. Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, and it was like, like, like settling into like philanthropy and boats and stuff. The, the gist of the profile and it was very compelling was, uh, here is a person who was, you know, the best at what he did, uh, 
and now he doesn't do anything but his the reason he was so good is because he has this competitive drive that you you can't believe so here he is sort of like as a civilian and that competitive drive had not left him mm-hmm. so what he wanted to do was in every person he interacted with in every aspect of life turn everything into a competition that's why he got into like gambling and everything everything is a contest like, like compulsively like, like he couldn't stop himself yes like he, all of his relationships were about competing to do some trivial thing who's going to get to the train station first i'll bet you five dollars that this person is going to do that oh, uh, play golf like like that it was that it was all consuming fire that could not be extinguished and had no more outlet because he wasn't a professional athlete so every aspect of his life it would just come bursting out of all of his seams. And it was terrifying and a little bit sad. You're like, look, you, mm-hmm. you're incredibly wealthy. Everybody loves you. Can't you just enjoy your retirement? And the answer is the thing that made me successful at basketball, this incredible flame and drive, competitive drive, is burning me alive. Like that there is no place for it to go. And mm-hmm. so I, like it, it was actually kind of, it made you think like, oh boy, Michael Jordan, what a life he must have. And you're like, his, his demon dogs are not on a leash. Like that was the impression I got from the story. Who knows what the reality of Michael Jordan is? It was just a very long it's, article. It's, that it, I it's, it's funny though. Like it is, it's, it's okay. So it's one thing, like what could be sadder in some ways than a compulsive gambler, gambler who always loses. Right. I mean, which I guess is nobody minds when you're a compulsive gambler, if you're always winning, mm-hmm. but like in some ways it, it is the, a compulsion to compete, but a lot of it is a compulsion to win. And maybe for us normals in some ways, it's also just, boy, I really enjoy if I get some kind of accidental success or some kind of, not accidental, but long shot success and it works out, I really want more of that. Like, like put that, pump that in my veins. I really want, mm-hmm. did you see, um, um, can you ever forgive me? Have you seen that? No, but I, I'm aware of it. Um, I, I, it's not, I mean, it's got great performances. It, it's good. It's, it's not extremely good, but yeah, I mean, most McCarthy's amazing in it, but I mean, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that it involves a, a woman who I think it's a pretty well-known story, right? Uh, I only know it because I saw trailers for it. So I don't know. I didn't know it before that. Well, I don't. Okay. All I'll, all I'll say is that like in her case, she so she struggled. She's basically forging letters from celebrities and selling them because she really needs the money because she's not having success with her career as a novelist or not as a novelist, excuse me, a biographer. And it's like, you know, her agent, Jane Curtin, is like, I, nobody wants a biography of Fanny Bryce. Like, yes, you had this success 10 years ago. Nobody wants your stuff now. Her cat is sick. She's having all kinds of problems. But like what you get out of this movie is, well, yeah, she and uh, the wonderful Richard E. Grant are doing these crimes. But like it escalates very quickly. And she gets more brash. But what the filmmakers do, and presumably what her autobiography or memoir did, was it really captures that the first time. So she tries to sell this. She has this one letter, and like she gets pretty good dough for it. She has another letter that she found in a book that she's going to— Anyway, long story short, the person buying the letter says, well, who's looking at it goes like, well, if this had a little bit more to it, something, something. So she starts just with adding a saucy PS to it, but it really sounds like the voice of the person who wrote it. Um, and long story short, you can see that she she certainly likes the money. She did this like something like 300 times. But she also is addicted to someone appreciating her writing, even though they don't know that it's she that did the mm. writing. And I, I think I think that, that that's part of the condition. Is like it isn't, yeah, I mean, certainly Michael Jordan probably really liked being on that amazing team in the 90s. But it's also, you just see this as part of the American story, part of the like the American up and down story is the person who can't let go of the thing 
that brought them joy, that made them feel successful, made them feel like they have the warrior spirit or whatever it was. And I think it's probably extremely difficult for somebody operating at that level with that motivation to just walk away until they have to because they got Tommy John surgery or, or, or because they got caught or whatever it is. If you're, you know what I mean? I bet, I bet Michael Jordan like still is looking, he's chasing that dragon. Uh, I mean, Tiger Woods, anybody like you're still chasing that dragon. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing about, especially the athletes, because you do read a lot. They do tend to do that story about whatever pick your elite athlete, like years later after they've long left whatever game they played. And sometimes they're like, this person like has grandkids and goes fishing every day and is relaxed and yeah. seems to, you know, assuming they're not a football player with CTE, like that they have, they were able to <laughs> let that go. And, but there are other ones, like, I think it's a cause and effect reversal. Like in some cases, oh, they missed that thing. Like you just said of that, that made them successful. Right. But eventually like they come to recognize they're in a new phase of their life and they find other places to give them pleasure. And the, uh, my, the Michael Jordan one always struck me as it's not like it, it, uh, he drove his self-worth and pleasure from being successful. It's that he had this thing inside him that it needed a, an outlet to needed a receptacle. It's like, like a rocket launcher. Like when they have, you know, the rocket exhaust comes out and it has to go into, you got to find a way to, ch- whatever that energy is, there has to be a way to, it put has it to in be a, a place to put it. And luckily yeah. there was this essentially unlimited depth bucket called the NBA where all of that drive could be put. It was an ultimate sink for that drive. Yeah. And the drive would have been there if he was, you know, uh, you know, living in prehistoric times. Like, it would still be there. There would just be no basketball, and he'd have to find some other outlet for it that may not be as bottomless, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like, the, the impression I get is not that even that he needed the adulation. Like, when he's competing with his friends to, like, see who can, you know, guess how many things are in a tank or throw a ball into a cup from across the room or get to the bus station first or all sorts of trips. No one is watching that. He's not doing it for adulation and his friends don't care. They're like, can't we just hang out? Why does everything have to be a competition? It's because that's his demon dog. And if he was the last human on earth, he'd be making up little games for himself and trying to get better at them with no one watching. And that's yeah. like, that's the sad aspect. And I feel like Alex, uh, what's his last name? Holland or something? Uh, was H it something. Polish? Uh, anyway, the Alex from Free Solo strikes me as the same in that, like, he, even who is the only human on Earth, he would still be driving himself to achieve this goal that no one would ever see or care about. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I totally agree. And, and even, I felt like the film crew was part of the, why he bailed in that attempt. Like, he kind of wishes that, mm-hmm. you know, he agreed to the film thing because he does have an ego and wants to know that he's good at, at what he does. But on the other hand he'd much prefer they not be there when he does yes. this because it's kind of like a private thing just with him. He'd prefer no one know that he's doing it. He'd prefer to just do it by himself. And he has to over... That's one of his struggles in the movie is overcoming the fact that he's going to be filmed. And I, I think that's why he bails on the first one. That and the fact that it was dark, which is insane to me. Like, you're going to go up with a headlamp, but... Yeah, four, anyway. like four, four in the morning. So nuts. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't... They didn't explain that well in the movie either. They said, oh, he wants... He needs to get up before the sun hits this face. Why? Does he melt? Is it like... Is it going to come too hot on the rock? I, I'm yeah, sure well, they, they talked about that. Where, like, there's, there's a needle to thread of when the sun comes and hits this certain area at a certain time where you got to beat the clock to get to there. Yeah, but they didn't explain why. Like, if he doesn't beat the clock, then what happens? Does, does the rock become too hot? Does it too shiny? Can you not see? Right. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the... They didn't explain that. So there's, there's yeah, a couple of technical fouls in the movie. Would you would you have guessed 25 years ago, if, if you had to eyeball Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan, would you have guessed that Charles Barkley <laughs> is the one who seems like, like healthier mentally than he's ever been and like charming and it has funny. a regular job that's not Outs- basketball and like outspoken in an interesting way like not in a crazy way like charles barkley used to be like such a wild card and now he's this like 
I don't know. He just seems like a completely different person. Or, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writing all those articles and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he seems like a student of life to me. Yeah. And uh, uh, for the Jordan thing, I, I don't know. Like, all you, it, when you saw him, when he had that unlimited sink of the NBA to put into all his energy, he seemed nice. He, he, he did seem, comp- now that you think back, he did seem pretty competitive. Like, he mm-hmm. was really angry when his team lost, right? Yeah. Like, he thought, thought he should win every time. But in general, you're like, oh, I bet that person, I think everyone thinks that of all athletes in particular, that they're going to achieve what they achieve. And then when they retire, they'll be able to bask in the glory of their achievements with no regrets because they just always won and were great. Because because we that's how we think. And right, that's why, exactly. that's why that's it's why so perplexing <laughs> somebody like me to look at most CEOs and leaders, including people like Steve Jobs, of going like, well, if it was John or Merlin, you know, once once you hit your magic. Stop the Apple too. <laughs> well, or when you hit your 100 million or whatever your arbitrary number is, you would go like, well, absolutely, I'm going to check out at this point. Mm-hmm. But that's the last thing in the world that they would. I, I've known people who were many zeros less wealthy than they and were, are were are still just so driven every second of the day about what the thing after the next thing is. Just this this unending ambition that I guess could evidence itself as competition. That would be one place it pops up. But it's also just, I don't know, a word other than driven that like you don't know any other way than than higher, faster, forward, up, up, up. Yeah, the workaholic CEO is definitely a thing. I, I think it's a slightly different strain. But yeah, I think every every C-level executive, every founder, founder, as they call them, we know, has this illness. Right. And which is why they'll never yeah. be happy. <laughs> like, and, and like, but it's also like, it's almost like a kind of like advanced Peter principle where like if Elon Musk had quit when he was ahead, right. he would be to us like such a more like we, we'd be so much, we'd celebrate him so much more instead what he's getting an hour, hour of sleep a night and he's all <laughs> over the map and mm-hmm. you know, he's, I guess he's got better hair now, but like, I don't know. I, it's, it, I have to admit as, as a, a highly domesticated liberal cuck. It's sometimes very difficult for me to look at guys like that and feel extremely sympathetic or uh, admiring of them just because that's my POV. I tend to see the bad side. Those people feel like the bullies I've met my entire life. Um, and so I have a natural uh, dispensation to sort of be against that kind of testosterone-fueled ooh-ooh-ooh kind of monkey yeah. stuff. But, you know, but it was, it was a good movie. <laughs> it was good. Alex H-O-N-N-O-L-D. Honnold. Yeah. Wealth mm-hmm. is wasted on the rich. That's, that's oh, sing it, sister. 